0: Co-host sucks.
1: I'm running this monkey farm now, Frankenstein! I know I'd
0: go from rags to riches.
2: Why, a four-year-old child could understand this report. Go out and find me a four-year-old child. I can't make a head or tail out of it.
3: Farabelli, you've got the brain of a four-year-old old boy, and I bet he was glad to get rid of it.
2: Hey! Fancy, uh, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Wireless Top 100, episode number two for Top 100 Movie Scenes. If you've joined us last week, you know, is that can everybody hear that? I don't know why that's going off like that. That's crazy. All right, I already think it's done. Um, it's Top 100 Movie Scenes. Last week, uh, uh, the lists were a little mediocre um but i mean it's the 90s i don't expect anybody to set the world on fire um jake kind of made me wish the world was on fire so i wouldn't have to <laughs> live through the rest of his list but other than that um decent start but let's see where we're going from here uh cody you uh you, you eked out a first place finish last week um uh, what are your thoughts on that and uh is that going to continue this week? Uh.
0: Okay, for, uh, thank you for giving me the, uh, the floor. I'm going to say some stuff that is not about the show for a second. Um, there's a crime that's been happening in this community, and it needs to be addressed. Um, Caleb Coho 1 is not here, so he's a coward in hides because he went to California for a week and didn't have to work on anything, and now he comes back and doesn't do anything. The problem is he created a movie. See, I'm not a horror fan, but he created 101 Frights as a list, And if you look at his 2000s, it has to be the biggest joke of of all time. The guy doesn't know horror, and how does he get to establish a list for the community to follow? It is gross. He's got Haunted Mansion on there and, like, Monster House. The dude needs help, and he should never be in charge of a list again. On that note, thank you for the win. I love that you threw, like, oh, mediocre list, but everybody seemed to last week got a pass from you and be like, oh, I expect this. It's fine. And then you come in a week later and try to throw a spear at us? No, sir. We did fine last week based on your opinions on us.
2: Thank sir, you. this is a Wendy's. Uh, second place last week.
0: I'll take a large number two. <laughs> Thank you.
2: Uh, it's, it's Jack. Jack, you came in second. Strong Strong start for you considering – where you were this time last spring? Uh, yeah, how do you feel about your list this week?
4: Honestly, like here's the thing: I feel good about my list every week. Uh, <laughs> can't say the same about what what you think of it. But I think you're you're not going to hate this week. I don't think I'll get last
2: with this list. All right, major list uh, off the list. Third place last week was Scott. Um, Scott again, it was a terrible list. Um, you know, nothing really egregious. Um, you know, something to build upon. Or are you going to do it this week?
5: Oh, well, I certainly hope so. Uh, you know, I, I'm not used to coming in third either uh, with with you hosting. Mainly because last time I was here, I came in first. It seemed like every single time. So uh, I just have to to uh, maybe I'm going to have to work. Realize I'm going to have to work a little harder this time. But you know what? That's fine.
2: And then we go. Leave
5: now, Chris. Leave now. Just
2: leave now, Chris.
5: <laughs> You can. We
2: have to say. Uh, speaking of Jake, last place finished uh, last week, but it was only one week. We can turn things know. around, or tell me, please, we're going to turn things around.
3: Uh, well, we'll see. You know, um, yeah,
2: you know, I think after last week, everyone really liked the idea of having
3: two things from Hulk on My Top One Hundred. I think people really, you know, were getting into that. Um, we'll see how this goes. I, you know,
2: there's only one way to go. Oh, so, yeah. hopefully. We'll see about that. Arguing All out. right, so we're going to go get into this week's episode. We are doing number 90 through 81. Remember, the entire show is under a spoiler alert, uh, so keep that in mind as you see banners popping up and movies that you don't want spoiled for you. Uh, so we're going to start with Jack. Uh, Give us your bottom three, 90 through 88, please.
4: All right. Oh, boy. Uh, my number 90 is Olive Dance from Little Miss Sunshine.
2: Yeah.
4: My Kings 89 is I Drink Your Milkshake from there Will Be Blood. Yeah. Yikes. Uh, and Okay. Yeah. Figured. And my 88 is I, I Dream Dream from Les Miserables. Uh anyway, uh my 90 is Olive's Dance from uh from Little Miss Sunshine. This this whole movie's fantastic, but it's this scene that just puts a smile on my face, and I don't understand why, because it's it's just so charming abigail breslin the scene is so so just the innocent uh charm of of that character is just so intoxicating and then uh when her entire family starts coming up on stage dance with her it's just so much fun to watch uh especially when you watch it with your entire family it's uh it's uh, it's an experience that's for sure Oh, just overall fantastic scene and then I dream the dream there's a lot of shit that gets said about Les Miserables 2012 rightfully or not I don't care this scene is incredible Anne Hathaway is giving her all in this scene she uh this is easily my favorite scene in the film it uh never fails to make me tear up and it's just yeah I it's one of my earliest experiences with a musical
2: and the scene has always stood out to me Okay. Uh, you're 90 a little bit of sunshine. Uh great scene. Um I love the movie and I think this is such a perfect payoff. Um just everything uh watching that whole family go through everything they do separately and together and all the struggles and they all kind of come together and it's it's uh you know, I love found family movies and I feel this like this like a found family of a movie that of a or, of a family that already happens to be a family but they still discover each other and I think this dance is such a um just a great like ex, you know application of them accepting each other accepting themselves and just their weirdness and everything that's you know the world doesn't accept about them but they accept about themselves they come to accept about themselves and I really love that uh, that about this scene so I think that's a good pick uh, I dreamed a dream yes yeah, say what you want about this movie we're not doing top 100 movies we're doing top 100 scenes this scene is fantastic um, first of all um, the one thing I think the movie does right, is it moves the placement of this song? Um in the stage version, they this song happens basically right after she gets fired and before her life completely goes to hell. Um, so it's still great, but it doesn't have the impact it does when they move it to the to the end where everything what do you cut you, stop rolling your eyes. Um no, it's a fantastic it's it's and she is killing it. Like the way they filmed it, just having it straight on her face the whole time. The emotion, the rage, the anger, she, the, the sadness she's so... A little bit of hope she throws in there. Hopefulness. Um, just so much going on. I'm not a big fan of giving people Oscars for one scene. I have no problem. She nailed it here, and she totally deserved the Oscar. Okay, Cody. I'm so... I'm Jacob, thank you so much. I'm going to give you extra points for putting this at 88 so Cody couldn't talk. Because I'm sure whatever he has to say right now is completely wrong. Uh, but... Speaking of Cody... So, good start, Jack. Speaking of Cody talking and possibly being wrong, Cody, give us your 93.
0: Yes, the musical that is one of the best of all time. It's the movement from the movie made it better. Great. You um, you just have to say that you're fine when you're not really fine, but you just can't get into it. I hate this show. I hate this show. Um, it's the last season. Um, uh, dance? I'm doing number 90 dancing from RRR. Yikes beautiful yikes for this episode nice. oh fantastic okay uh my 89 is the opening scene to jaws and uh my 88 i should get one person on my side uh norman's on sabbatical <laughs> wait what what is the scene are we
3: talking
0: uh tape to the hand the fighting shoes
3: okay, uh, inside a, the
0: apartment including the fire and that's a yikes Okay, so I guess I will just talk about '89, and maybe I'll save some time at the end to talk about *During Your Dream*. No, I'm just kidding. Um, opening uh, to *Jaws*. Uh, I think this builds. Ev- I think I, I brought this list up to a few people, and they're like, "Really, the opening of *Jaws*?" And yes, after rewatching this, I think it sets up everything in the movie. The introduction to the score, just simple. The the creature below, you know something's lurking. You can't see it. You have no idea. It creates such a tension without ever seeing the shark at that point, but you know exactly what's going on. Um, it's and it sets the ball rolling for all the the movie going forward. I think it sets that real fear every time you hear that cue of the music that you know it's coming. And I think it's I think it's a brilliant open. Just kids like oh we're just gonna have fun, but no, there's something out there that is not gonna allow you to have fun this weekend. So um, sorry, okay. I just want to
3: quickly say I was um, I actually uh, want to apologize. I was wrong. I got rid of it from my 200 you can talk about the uh spider-man scene
1: oh i, you know, double check. I wow.
3: thought i had it but i got rid of it on my
0: okay uh, that's fine I, I, okay you got uh and then the Spider-Man
2: scene.
0: yeah so, uh so uh 88 uh so this movie itself has just an unfair advantage on a lot of movies just because it completed my childhood um, when, when the entire, the villains from all these movies are inside the apartment, and they're all trying, and Peter's just being nice, you know, fixing all the villains from their problems. Uh, well, there's one person that doesn't need fixing and not okay with fixing, and it's uh, Norman Osborn, the Green Goblin. And when he sits there and Spider, when Peter Parker has the senses go off, and looks over and basically just tapes you know uh webs his hand of the thing and then he's like norman norman's on sabbatical honey and like the ensuing fight that happens throughout this i think it's the best throughout all of the spider-man since like that battle yes you'll get stuck in a second
2: no Well, go ahead no good finish
0: oh. okay of all the spy, the Raimi, everything—the battle that ensues between him and uh, Peter is fantastic. Um, the hallway through the battle, the ending, of how it ends with uh, Aunt May—I think it's just, I think it's just absolutely brilliant. Where it cuts through, I think this is the best that Willem Defoe is in playing Goblin in this movie. I think he's on, like he's had years to <laughs> sit on it, and I think he comes back in a rare form. Um, again, and it's just him and Peter. It's the ultimate spider versus green goblin. So
2: 88. Okay. Uh, Jaws, great pick. Um, and I agree you you hit no right on the head. This sets the movie up perfectly. Um, I think this doesn't get talked about enough as one of like the all time great horror movie kills. Um, because it's like legit terrified. Like she's dying in front of you. You know, she's like screaming, (laughs) Oh my God, I don't want to die. Don't It's just so like sad and pathetic. You're watching this person die, and the and, change of
0: direction. In yeah, the just how she's like, be just like
2: the complete helplessness and desperation. Um, she sells that so well. I don't know the actress's name, but she we should because she's that good. Um, and like you said, it sets things up where they can. I think that's what allows like the movie to kind of reset from there and slow build, and you don't see a lot of stuff because that that the 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 knowledge and the memory of that death is just subconsciously in your brain through the entire movie. So that kind of t- you know, from very from the very beginning, what you're up against, and you don't have to see much after that. That 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 death shows so much. So I think that's a great pick. I, at f- first, I, uh, w- w- I when I first saw your list, I was like, yeah, it's pretty good. Then I, after I saw it, I rewatched Jaws, and I'm like, yeah, that's a that's a fantastic pick. I could take this a lot higher, actually. Um, now Spider Man No Way Home, the Norman on sabbatical scene. I didn't remember this from the when I saw it in the theater. And I went back and I, I rewatched on on YouTube, and I realized I was in the bathroom doing the scene, and I do don't feel like I missed that much. Like it's just uh, I'm not I don't have the connection to Green Goblin and that and the Raimi Spider Man that you guys do, and I I mean it's it's not a bad scene, but like if you lined up like top ten Raimi Spider Man villain scenes, um. I did not. Um I would not uh, I, I wouldn't, you know, wouldn't really grab my attention. So I was really this this is what I was surprised to see on your on your list because I feel like there's better uh you know, Norman Osborne Spider-Man stuff that I'm sure Jake will get to. Yes, Cody.
0: So two things. One, I'm fine. That's okay. You can take that away from me on eighty eight. I'm good with that. Only thing that does is screw one Australian real bad if you don't have the connection to the Raimi trilogy. And, uh, yeah, so you know what? I I will take my L on this AK and move on. Thank you, sir. We're good.
2: All right, speaking of Australian, Jake, I think this year, 93.88. Um,
3: I really love to set them up. Uh, the next three are just on montages. I don't know if I, – I didn't really do that intentionally, uh, but 90 is uh, the every time montage from Spring Breakers. Uh, Number 89. uh, It's the first of many. Uh, The superhero montage from (laughs) Spider-Man. And the 88, uh, my number 88, is the time loop montage from uh, Palm Springs. Go ahead. So 90. Um, This is just like completely in contrast with the rest of the movie. The rest of the movie plays a lot of Skrillex. In this scene, James Franco's son to play uh, Britney Spears every time on the piano at the sunset. They want... The girls want him to play something beautiful something inspiring and he starts playing it uh, every time which is honestly my favorite britney spears song and as he plays and sings it with the girls everyone you just start seeing them commit crimes whether it's rubbing people in their like motels and shit, and just grabbing guns and jumping up on beds all the while in slow motion and it's just like this weird juxtaposition of this song, this really beautiful, hard, uh endearing like song plays while they're d- committing like horrible crimes in like beautiful slow motion. It's really just like in contrast with the rest of the movie. And I just find it to be like an incredible scene on its own. Yeah, so my number 89, uh, the superhero montage from, spring, uh, from Spider-Man. Uh, I think this is a really great scene showing just how spider-man affects these uh the public how people view him through uh his like horror heroic acts and he also just acts as the uh introduction to him as spider-man like after the funeral after he has to talk with aunt may you see him with the suit and then you just start seeing interviews with just random civilians saying i saw him build a nest at the lincoln center fountain and then you have the lucy lawless cameo where he's like guy with eight hands sounds hot and it's just like it really just add, creates the personality. My favorite guy is the cowboy guitarist in the subway He's singing his like weird Spider-Man song. Um it just really is funny. I just really like to see him just, you know, uh solve crimes and you know, um uh stop it. It's just like really creates him as a spy as a superhero. And I just think it's a uh, it's really well done. Raimi just knew how to how to do it. And then 88 um i just find this to be really funny um and really fun the uh timely montage from prom springs um at this point sarah has just realized that we're in this time loop That nothing we do matters our life is meaningless let's just like do nothing and just have fun you see sarah hold a one millionth birthday for niles uh, you see them ruin um sarah's uh, sister's wedding Uh, by pretending to create like four plays and causeway cosplay um, with an explosion and she's dressed as a pirate Um, and just really fun stuff. And it's just like, it's the stuff that I think we've all imagined, like if we were stuck in a time loop, what we kind of would do in that situation where there are no stakes to anything, we can just fuck around. And I think it's just, uh, it's fun. And you see these two characters uh, connect really throughout this uh, montage. All right. uh,
2: Spring Breakers. Visually, it's great. Um, it's shot really well, like you said, the juxtaposition. I just have trouble, like at this point in the movie, like I don't care enough about the characters to like tolerate what they're doing. Um, so, like the reality of that kind of like stops me from like completely enjoying the scene. But I think it's a like cinematically, and like you said, with the song and everything. I think it looks really well. It's really well done. Um, the Spider-Man montage. I had to ask you this thing, like, like, what is this? Like, I didn't even know what we were talking about. Um, I know you love Spider-Man, but I just don't get it for this thing because it's barely a Spider-Man in it. I don't, I don't like any of these characters. I don't like any of the jokes. I don't like. I don't care about any of this stuff. I honestly think No Way, uh, not No Way Home, but I'm um, Homecoming does this uh. story, like this part of the Spider-Man story, better than Raimi does. I, I like. I think it's a lot more organic. I think it's more about focus on the character than these dumb people. Um, so yeah, I, I know there's gonna be Spider more Spider-Man uh, seeds. I hope to better than this one um palm springs another one threw me for a loop um i had sw- mm. i <laughs> see i had uh, <laughs> I, I i watched this when i watched this movie when you gave me your list i hadn't seen it yet and so i watched like two weeks ago and i'm like which montage even is this and it's just weird if you're gonna pick a time loop montage uh you have you have groundhog day you have Live, Die, Repeat. You have different Happy movies. You. Happy, you have movie. Happy Death Day to You. I mean, you have, I think there's a lot more like fun. It's done a lot more in fun, interesting ways than those movies. I don't even know if this is the best montage, time loop montage in this movie. There's several of them. I don't know if this is the best one. Um, again, it's not terrible, but it's just weird that this is the long time loop montage that you're going to pick. Um, so, strange start for you, Jake. Scott, let's move on to you 90 through 88.
5: <laughs> Factual. Um, All right. Uh, My number 90 is uh, the funeral scene from Big Fish. Uh, At 89, I have the beach encounter from It Follows. At 88, I have, I'm calling it the love and attention scene from Lady Bird. Yeah.
1: Um,
5: All right. Number 90. Uh, Big fish is probably my favorite movie that I've watched for trivia that I can remember. Um, cause I did not expect that I was going to like this movie at all. I don't like Tim Burton. I don't like movies that take place in Alabama or anything that presents Alabama in a positive light. Um, <laughs> however, um, I <laughs> enjoyed the movie a lot and uh, was very emotionally invested in it, uh, despite it not being the type of thing that I usually get emotionally invested in. Um, But anyway, this final scene, uh, well, this funeral scene is, of course, spoiler alert, um, after uh, the main character's father has passed away. um, And he, Ewan McGregor, um, the main character, I can't remember what his name is even at this point. But um, he, you know, they attend the funeral and they see that all the characters and the stories that he's been telling were actually real people. And of course, the whole movie is kind of about his journey and discovering that a lot of this stuff was real, that his father was telling him the whole time. But they're all there at the funeral. They're slight, all slightly different from how he described them. They all have just like one or two things that are not, you know, that clearly he embellished for the sake of the story. But the point is that the bulk of the story was true and um, the spirit of all the stories were true. And, you know, the Ewan McGregor character finally um, appreciates that at the end of the movie and, and you know his journey is complete. And so I think it's a really moving scene the way that they all show up and he's kind of wowed by it. Um, 89. Um, Yes, it is bar. Um, The beach scene from it follows, you know, the genius of it follows is that um, it keeps you watching the entire frame for like the entire movie because you're, you know, you don't know at what point, um, the person could be following them or, you know, who the person is that's following them. There's just a lot of um, things that keep you on your toes the whole time. And, you know, that's never more present than in this scene when they're on the beach, they're seemingly, you know, they've kind of escaped it for now. They're trying to enjoy themselves. And you see one of the characters, Yara, from the group approaching behind from, you know, the bushes basically approaching Jay, Micah Monroe's character But of course, you're in that position of, well, she's one of the characters, like she's one of the main characters. Is this actually the specter following them or is it just, you know, the friend? Um, And then uh, eventually the camera pans around and you see that Yara, their friend, is in the water and therefore the person approaching them from behind is actually the, you know, the specter, the villain. And uh, and then there's that great image of Micah Monroe's hair, uh, Micah Monroe's hair getting lifted into the air by the unseen, um, you know, specter. So Um, and there's a nice, you know, sort of chase sequence afterwards um, and a couple of good scares in there. But it's again, it just really highlights the genius of what is one of my favorite um, horror movies of all time and favorite movies of all time, honestly, Um, and 88. Lady Bird, like I mentioned last week with Zodiac, is one of those movies It's obviously one of my favorites. I had a little bit of difficulty finding a scene to pick from it, because I don't know that there is that scene. I mean, maybe the airport scene. But anyway, this is the one that stands out to me and resonates to me as as what I love. It's a really short scene between Lady Bird and um, The Nun, played by Lois Smith. Um, but basically, the gist of it is um, you know, The Nun is telling her that she read the college essay, and... Um, you clearly love Sacramento, Lady Bird's, like I do. Um, and she's like, well, yeah, the way you write about it. And she says, well, I was just describing it. Um, and then it ends up with that, you know, sentiment that love and attention, you know, don't you think they're the same thing? Um, which obviously is a is a metaphor for like so much of what's going on in the movie and particularly Lady Bird's relationship with her mom. So I love that little, you know, one-liner. And again, just that line of I was just describing it. Um, I think that's so profound, the the fact that, you know, you can just tell what someone's feelings are based on the way they talk about someone or some place. Um, even though Lady Bird presents as like not liking Sacramento and being really emo about the whole thing, her actual words when she, you know, puts her feelings down, spell it out differently. So, um, again, yeah, everything that the movie is about is kind of contained in this two to three minute scene.
2: All right, um, Big Fish. I rewatched this uh, last week. I hadn't seen it probably since it came out, um, and I remember the funeral. Scene, met, and that's that's what stuck out to me the first time. I was, that's what I remember is how like the stories kind of translated into reality. I thought that was really cool. Um, I'm, yeah. I mean, I do feel that the scene before that with the story and the river and everything and the fish. I think that has that's what really got me choked up. But I mean, this is still a good scene. I mean, this is still just like you said. Seeing all the people from his past come together and, like, in reality interact with the people from his life, um, I like that. That was pretty touching. So, um, again, not the out to pick from it, but still pretty solid. Um, it follows. I also really like this movie. Um, I think it's a really good horror movie. Um, I don't know, I think the effect that the whole specter effect is done a little bit better in other parts of the movie. Um, but I do like just the way it's shot, like when they show, like you're talking about when the, when the one kid's like in the foreground and they show the girl just float by, uh, in the background, I think is really cool. Um, and then like, it, it's always the whole, the specter is always scary when it's coming up on you. Um, I do think that the, some of the invisibility stuff when the hair goes up, but she's wrestling looks a little hokey. Um, my biggest problem with it though, is just as far as like, you know, like dumb decisions in horror movies, you know, when she corners herself in that building, because it's like this is a monster that the way to defeat it is to jog or walk briskly and you're going to be okay and the fact that she does the only thing that could kill you is quarter and she does um but no it's still i mean it's a great jump scare when when she's looking down that hole in the wall and it jumps through that's pretty cool um so like i said i like the movie um not a horrible pick for the scene there's others i would pick from it but um that's what about hold on one second Sorry about that, um, Lady Bird. Um, yeah, like you said, this is one of those movies when when we start talking about best scenes. I think Cody and some of, uh, and some other people were talking about how there's some movies that are just really good and some of your favorites. And because it's so good the whole way through, it's hard to pick out a scene. I think Lady Bird, like you said, is like that. Because um, I like it probably. You know, you and I probably have, you have very similar views on this. Um, but no, this is a good scene. I just love her relationship with with that, that nun character, the 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 mother superior, whatever she is, the principal of the school, because she's um. Because just it's the whole movie is just Lady Bird like pushing and seeing how which you know just kind of like expanding her boundaries, see how far she can get. And the this character won't let her. Like she can't do it with her. Like she's just like she's she's like seen it all, she knows what she's doing, she knows mm-hmm. why she's doing it, she knows what her goal is, and she's just like accepting her and just just whatever you whatever she does. It's like, yeah, it's okay, I I can live with that. And she it's like she's impossible to rebel against. I think that's pretty cool for this character who's rebelling against everything. Um, so, yeah, from a, from a scene it's hard to pick a good movie or a good a movie It's hard to pick a good scene from, pretty good scene to pick. Um, so now we are going to get into the uh, meat of the order, so to speak. Um, glove comes off. Everybody gets to comment on everything in this segment. Jack, hit us with your 87. Muted. Muted.
1: Whoops.
4: Uh, sorry. Sorry sorry about that uh my 87 is stuck in the middle with you from reservoir dogs all right uh yeah no this is a great uh a great moment in this uh in this film and my personal the scene that sticks out in my head for fairly obvious reasons uh it's uh a incredibly brutal scene it uh michael madsen is in the room alone with uh what he believes to be a corpse and a cop that's tied up in the chair and he puts on the radio and starts listening uh to super sounds of the 70s and uh the second uh stuck in the middle with you starts playing he starts dancing and he starts uh cutting the cop and he cuts the cop's ear off and it's a brutal uh scene that, uh Spoiler alert for whoever hasn't seen Reservoir Dogs Mute now, It ends with uh with Michael Madsen's uh Mr. Blonde's death. And it's shocking. It comes out of absolutely nowhere and your jaw is on the floor the entire time. And when uh when he cuts off the cop's ear, uh the camera just stays in one place and you hear it from uh from off screen. And it's just the most unsettling thing in this film. Uh great moment. Uh uh, and it, I can never listen to that song the same way again after watching that film.
2: Yeah, um, absolutely. This this scene owns the song. Any you know, this is there's nothing else that you can, you know. I, there's a lot of there's a lot of songs that remind you of movies, but um, I don't think there's a song that belongs to a scene the way this song does. Um, yeah, and this is so. I mean, it's Tar- Tarantino's first movie, but it's still this is like his iconic style of just the way he takes like the the ultraviolence, but also just like the minutiae of, you know, do you ever listen to Katie Billy sou- Super Sounds in the 70s? Something as simple and mundane as that radio station just makes it horrifying. And him down there tuning it in and the way it's shot. Like you said, the, the part where he like walks out, like the music is playing, he walks out, the music stops, he gets the gas can and he, and he walks back in uh, the, with the camera following. And then like the, how the w- camera looks away, like the camera can't even watch what's happening when he's cutting the air off. You know, and it's, it's just like that kind of restraint, you know, that's it's, Tarantino's not known for restraint, but that kind of restraint is great. And then, of course, it ends with the shooting. And that's the reveal, right? It's been a while since I've seen it. Like, that's how you find out that yeah. Orange is the cop, right? Yeah. I think that's just a, a, a brilliant way to do that because then it goes into his flashbacks. Um, So, yeah, great. Just like you said, solid, you know, moment for music. Just a great super violent list or a super violent, uh, you know, scene. Um perfectly constructed so i think it's i'm shocked i thought for sure this i thought there's no chance this not getting yikes Uh, i didn't think i was talking about this week (laughs) yeah uh so everybody else why didn't you have this one
0: no this is this is great this is fantastic you know why (laughs) you're so passionate and happy has this in 87 this is great because everything to come shit okay anyways This is not the best scene from Reservoir Dogs. I'm just going to say it. This is not the best scene from Reservoir Dogs. There's a way better scene in Reservoir Dogs for me. I think there's actually two better scenes in Reservoir Dogs. So overall, I couldn't... I I couldn't... It was hard to pick. It was on my early... I scratched it, but I think there's a better scene to talk about, and I'll talk about that probably later. Fair enough.
5: Yeah, I mean, I love Tarantino. You're going to see plenty of Tarantino scenes on my list, um, but this is one of my least favorite of his movies actually um and uh actually even though it's a great scene it does kind of highlight you know the, the this is a meaner and nastier film than i think some of his other movies and which is probably why i don't like it as much so it is a great scene uh but you're gonna see plenty of other tarantino scenes on my list that i just enjoy more
3: um someone needs to just calm down christie as like you, you i <laughs> i had one scene from venom okay just calm your fucking ass um. Uh, yeah, this is this is a great scene, and if we were doing 100 best scenes of all time, this would make it. But we're doing favorites, so I to yeah. I'm picking list I'm picking scenes that are really indicative of just my taste in film and who I am. Uh, I'm sorry uh, if uh, Eddie likes it. Um, it's the same reason why I didn't
0: the Lion King when we did the top 100 originally. You know, looks not be disrespectful. Um, that was a that was a, that was a shot that didn't need to be taken. By the way, I'm, I'm here. I'm sitting right here. Listen, so Jack. Can you just do the three of us a favor? Can you put us in like a, a green uh, a group chat on Facebook and send us the link that you made your list from so we can know what's coming so we can watch like these iconic scenes? Thanks.
5: Bar Steelers' wheel. <laughs>
2: uh, Jack, or, what is your '86? All right. Uh, My
4: eighty-six is the highway chase from The Batman. Yeah, <laughs> this scene is fantastic. I'm sorry that uh, there is not a moment uh, that or there there are very few moments I've had recently in the theater where just chills. Uh, Uh, I've just had absolute chills watching a scene the second the Batmobile is revealed you haven't seen the Batmobile the entire time in this film second it's revealed uh it the engine the the engine fires up and the score kicks in from Gikino it's fantastic uh you've got Penguin you've got Batman chasing Penguin down a highway and it's there's not much to the scene. It's an action scene. You get a lot of uh, a lot of uh, crashes, and it's it's a lot of fun to watch. But that score is fantastic, and uh, Colin Farrell is absolutely unhinged in the scene, and it's just so much fun to watch. Uh, just one of the best uh, experiences I've had in the theater, and it holds up so well on every rewatch.
2: Yeah, this is an odd one for top one hundred. Um, again, it's it's. I hate when you guys do this. You put on scenes that are like fine. So I don't have a whole a lot of horrible, like, horrible things to say about it. But like top 100. Um, yeah. The, the best, absolute best part of it is the, real, the reveal of the Batmobile. Um, that was amazing. When like just lights come on, you just hear that engine pop it, and, and it's just, it's so loud. the theater is so loud. And just revving that engine. Because um, this might be my favorite movie, Batmobile um because like the burton I, I like batman 89 but still the burton and uh schumacher ones are just all too weird and um the nolan one is boring it was just a tank um so like the fact like like this is this is like just a car that he's like like a real car like a muscle car that he souped up i love that um the chase scene itself is fun and exciting um i do think Farrell uh colin Farrell's good in his penguin i just like you know him like just the, the terror and the excitement of you know trying to get Batman is really good. Um my biggest problem is like a lot of people die on that highway and it's kind of Batman's fault. Um I can't overlook <laughs> that. And I know like the whole thing the whole bit like well, he was young and inexperienced, like, yeah, but he 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 always had the same principles and he might have made mistakes, but he wasn't like purposely put people's lives in jeopardy. Because, I mean, you look at the end of that chase scene, it's really the only possible outcome for what they're doing is a lot of people dying fiery deaths. And he knows where Penguin hangs out every night, so there's really no reason why he had to, like, get him right then. So um, that really is what really makes this scene hard for me to swallow. Um, everybody else on the highway chase scene in The Batman.
3: It's fine. It's
0: okay. Thank I God, God that ribby is... <laughs> Thank God that! Thank God that uh, explosion happened so you can see what the fuck's going on because the Batman doesn't pay for lighting throughout this entire movie at all. Um, yeah, it's cheap. Like it's fast cameras. It's this cool action. Oh, he bursts through the flames at one point. What? What? Like. Sure. I understand that the Batman changed cinema for people. And I'm so happy that comic book movies finally circumfound this after 10 years of looking, but Gotham's a, Gotham's a character. And in this scene, the, they don't pay for lighting. They're, they're You It's so hard to see what's going on. And after the explosion, you can finally see what's going on, but it's so like chaotic. And I know that's probably the style they were going for, but it, Two hours into the movie, I want to, you know, end it because I hate I hate how long this movie is. So I can actually I can't even tell you where this part is because I I can't stand it that much. But yeah, thanks he, for putting stuck in the middle of you at eighty seven and this at eighty six. I appreciate that though.
5: I just want to say like I am the first person to complain about lighting in these movies, but this is clearly an aesthetic choice. Like it clearly is the, the movie is drenched in darkness and emo music and everything and that's fine if you don't like that cody it's fine if you don't like that
0: you but give I one movie's passes for it and give your movies that you like and uh, you give it a pass but the movies that you don't like that no. ah, it's i can't see it's dark it's, i hate
5: it it's clearly what? an aesthetic choice there's no reason that can something should be that dark you don't
0: in- think every, every movie other movie has an aesthetic choice of making it that dark
5: no, Thor, I do not think Thor Love and Thunder is making Never a seen it, but. choice when it's when its scenes look like shit. Um, this is a choice anyway. It's it's a so they chose thing. to make
0: this look like shit. That makes sense.
5: Well, in your opinion. Huh. Um, I don't think it is bad lighting, is what I'm trying to say. I think it's just it's a choice. But um, I like the scene. I like the movie. I think it's this scene is very immersive. I really love the way it puts you right in the moment and um and yeah, that's what I think a good action scene should do. So um, I, you know, I don't think it's a bad choice at all. Even if I like my highway chase scene um, that I had last week a little bit better.
2: Wow! Did not expect to get so heated about the lighting in the Batman.
5: <laughs> well, because it.
0: Scott's because Scott sat it. there last week and goes, "Oh, it's an MCU movie, so it's poorly lit and it's blah blah blah." But this one's yeah. aesthetic, cool. <laughs> It is (laughs) yes. You don't just sit there in the theater and be like, you know what? I'm gonna make. You know what? Fuck, we fucked up lighting. We're we're just it's dark for fucking the whole movie. We'll just make it because it's Batman. Are you sure sure about that?
1: You really and I'm not Caleb Coho. I don't watch.
0: I don't. I'm Caleb. I didn't watch this movie on my computer like Caleb Coho at two times speed. I watched it on my TV and it's still terrible. As you should. And in the theater, Jack,
2: number eighty five. All
4: right, my number eighty-five is "A Night at the Opera" from Mission Impossible: Rogue Nation. All right, uh, this is probably the most underrated uh, uh, action set piece in uh, in the Mission uh, in the later Mission Impossible films, mostly because of the uh, the slow burn, or the slow build that this one has. But when it uh, when it uh, crescendos with with the assassination attempt on the chancellor in i can't remember what fucking country it is uh i you right. uh, don't know.
0: i can't remember We're also 2. Point.
4: <laughs> whatever uh anyway uh when it uh, it crescendos with the assassin, assassination attempt on the chancellor and it's just it's got some brilliant fight uh fight choreography with uh tom cruise it's got a just a great it's a great scene of building tension uh, with uh, uh, the, the other shooters uh, in the building. And you, uh, you see Ilsa in the line of fire and uh, the, cha- the second gun on the Chancellor. And it's just a expertly crafted uh, scene at building tension. And, yeah, I, I have a great time with it every time.
2: All right. There's another one. Uh, it's, it's a good action scene. Um, but I mean, if you took 10 random action scenes from Mission Impossible movies and, you know, put them in the lineup, I would not like look at this one and think it's anything. I don't, I don't think it's the best Mission Impossible action scene um i think there's a lot of other uh, maybe you have more on your list but this is the i don't think this is the mission impossible action scene i like the opera i really not i can't remember the name of this opera but i really like the music from it i like that play in the background i like how they put like the japanese aesthetic into it um and yeah i mean the cool like with him moving on the lights and everything there's some cool stuff there it's a decent set piece but i honestly don't even know if we were doing top 100 action scenes if this would make the cut for me um so again not not a bad scene jack but 85 for all time little high or right. Every, uh, everybody else what do you think about the lighting in the scene
3: uh it's so it's terrible you know you're gonna study everything
0: <laughs> what they were going for
3: um i don't know i don't know anyone can say the scene is underrated i feel like this is pretty rated well people like the scene i know you know, there's, there's a great essay about the scene by right on YouTube that I like. Um, but, I don't know, there's, there's, it's a good scene. It, it creates really good tension. You don't know how Ethan's going to solve this situation. He's got two shooters. How do I stop both? If I've only got one bullet. Like, it's it's done well. Um, I just, yeah, I just don't think I would have had it to my top 200 or 400
5: favorite scenes. Uh,
0: yeah, I, I mean, like that. Cool. Go
5: ahead, Okay, this is my favorite Mission Impossible movie. Um, and I think this is a fantastic scene. I do like one scene more, more on that later, but um I do think this is a fantastic scene. And it because it's more like based on suspense than it is action, like with some of um, you know, the other uh, Mission Impossible set pieces. And it I mean it's it's also an ode to the man who knew too much, the Hitchcock film, um, and the final scene that sort of takes place there in the opera house. So I think that's why maybe if you're ranking it alongside action scenes, it's it's a little different from that. And that that's why that's why I like it. But there is one scene I like more from the movie.
0: Jack went to the school of not sounding like Caleb Coho, like an idiot on the show, because he's like, I think this scene falls in like the underrated of the later like, he just puts so much context around that you can't really find like a bunch of, where does that list start? Like, where the scenes, where it can be cut off? Um, Rogue Nation's my favorite um, of it. I think this is the best one. Um, I like the scene a lot, but overall, I didn't like, overall, like, Spy I, I think what makes the scene interesting is the sneaking while the performance is going on, but overall, I don't think that, like, rises to, like, a high level to be like, oh, this is crazy. It's just like, it's a great one-off, but not my uh, <laughs> not uh, not my top tier. It didn't even come close to making my list. There are scenes from Mission Impossible that would have,
2: but yeah, not this one. Jake, did you say? Did you say? Uh, yeah, I said it. Like, okay, yeah. all right, uh, Jack. That takes us to your uh, eighty-four already.
4: All right, uh, my number eighty-four is the phone bomb from Munich. I, I mentioned uh, a, a scene that's really great at building tension. This scene blows that one out of the water in that regard, but uh, it's incredibly tense. When, uh, so uh, oh, i trying to find words for this right now. <clears throat> when, uh, yeah. Sorry, Do you think too.
5: that smoking
4: drugs is cool? Not yet, <laughs> uh, but soon. Uh, no, um. I'm just having trouble formulating words here. Uh, this is a great scene with building tension. The, uh, <sighs> Kirk, can you please talk for me? I'm having a lot of trouble just formulating words. I just need to take a drink quick. Here.
1: Sure.
2: Um. Yeah. This is not a scene I would have thought of. Like if I was when I was formating my list, or if I was formating my list or I was thinking about possible scenes that would come up in the show. Um. This is, but it's still like you like Jack said, it's a good tension builder. Um, just the way uh that um if you're not familiar with the scene, uh that's the Mossad and they're uh, hunting Nazis, they find one, they're gonna they have a phone, they have a bon- bomb near his phone, so they have to call him to get him on the phone and then they're gonna blow him up. Um uh this the, the 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 monkey wrench is that the daughter's supposed to leave the house, but she comes back looking for something they call, so it's are they gonna be able to stop him in time or not is like the big centerpiece of the scene. Uh, and yeah it's good just the way like the people are placed different you know like one guy's the phone booth one guy's the car one guy's the lookout one guy in the car has the bomb and they all have to kind of communicate um, so yeah it's it is very tense uh, very dramatic honestly I went rewatched it I couldn't remember uh, if the little girl died or not um, if they you know if they were able to save her so um, but yeah I mean eighty for 84 uh, I think it's it's a pretty good scene like I said not what I would have thought of but pretty decent uh, everybody else on Munich phone bomb unfortunately I haven't seen the film jack jack did you did you want to finish up on uh this? no i i heard uh i heard uh most of what you said
4: and honestly uh covered most of what i wanted to say so uh yeah i know one of uh one of uh, a great spielberg film and one of his best directed scenes
0: it's awesome. 90% of the time i have no idea what the fuck i'm talking about you're not i think, doing, uh, I think- I think overall like it's really shot it's shot really well. I think like I like when uh I, I don't Eric Bana and uh who else is standing outside the Karen Hines. Karen Hines. There's like staring and looking at each other and be like and then they go up and then it explodes. Like I think it's shot It looks really cool. The tension's there. I just think overall I think there's movies that create tension like that a little bit more, like overall. So I didn't even think about it when I came across the making my list. Um I mean, I think Munich is an okay movie. I don't, I don't love it as much as some, but I think it's, I think it deserves a watch every once in a while. like if you haven't seen it. But phone bombs okay.
5: So I actually took my headphones off at first because I started watching this movie last night, and I got about halfway for the first time. I got about halfway through, and but then I realized that I saw this, I saw this scene. This was like one of the last um, scenes I watched. Um, but I'm really enjoying the movie. I think it's, you know it's obviously really well done, at Spielberg. But um, yeah, I, the only thing I would say about this scene is that it builds everything up really effectively. And then it's kind of just like anticlimactic. It's just like, oh, well, she, they got out of it. You know, the mission was accomplished. They blew up the guy. The end. So it builds it up really well. But then I don't know, the Daniel Maj is just a little bit flat, I guess. But again, I, I'm excited to watch the rest of the movie because I really like it. Jake, you said you haven't seen it, right? Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. I do want to, I
0: really do
2: want to watch this. Remember, if any of us is late tonight, it's because of Eric Bana in Munich. Uh, Cody, <laughs> your number 87.
0: Uh, okay, so my 87 is the wallet scene in Catch Me If You Can. Okay. Um, so Catch Me If You Can, there was a hard time like deciding what like scene, but I think this was the clear cut to go with. Basically, uh, Hanks, Hank is on to where he's at, goes to the hotel room, Goes in and starts looking around. He's got all the checks and everything. Like he's been forging this entire time. He knows he's in the right spot. Uh, guy comes out. I think out of the bathroom. I think it's Leo. He comes out of the bathroom. And he's like, he's the good. Flips to your hands, and Leo, being you know, being the con man he is in this room he just was like, oh well oh, yeah, Secret Service, you know? Do so you think you're the only ones on to this guy? And starts, like, checking out. He goes, let me see your credentials." And just passes him the wall and says, you hold on to it. I'll, I'm good. Like, just, and he doesn't go through it at all. Um, he, like, then he goes and instructs like, he goes, hey, he's getting taken to the car right now. And they're, like, putting the blind guy into the car at the perfect time. He yells to him. There's this back and forth. And he's like, hey, let me just get this stuff down to evidence and I'll, uh, I'll be back. And he's like, you wallet." He's like, trust you just hold on to it for me real quick and he opens it up and it's got all the labels to every like condiment or stuff in in the room and he's like and he flips out and loses it i just think it's such a great acting performance from hanks and leo at the same time together where they're just like hanks is like got him this is it it's over and able to get uh, away again. It's just, I think it's brilliant how they interact with each other, especially how quick the dialogue works where he's like, no, nah, Secret Service, we're good. And like, it never, it just doesn't um, it, uh, and he gets, uh, he gets away and then moves the story along, So
2: Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm not as high on this movie as everybody else. Uh, back to Back that's cool. Um, but I still enjoy it. And I think this scene again. This is a scene I thought of, but I think this scene, out of everything, just encapsulates a their relationship and b just what Leo's character does and how well he does it. Um, how he comes out of the bathroom and he's on, and he he has that character ready to go. And the other thing I love is when, when, he, whenever, when he when he's facing Hanks, he's completely confident and going. But then he like turns around to get a glass of water, and you just see his face drop, and you see all the stress. I'm like oh my god oh my god oh my god oh my god he takes the water and he turns around and he turns it right back on and then you know like when he's he's about to leave he's like hey your wallet and his face just drops like oh this is it and then he's like don't forget your wallet and uh so yeah i think it just so it just the the best like snapshot of leo's character in this movie and what he how quickly he's able to climb it it makes you understand why he does it gets away with everything else? Does this movie because of how easily he plays Hanks? And I love that moment where Hanks is sitting on the bed afterwards, and he's like kind of like smiling and like you know congratulating himself for a job well done. And then the light bulb comes on and he opens that uh the wallet up, like you said, he sees the labels and the labels all missing from the room and it clicks and it's too late. Um, but yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's a really good scene. Uh, everybody else on Catch Me if you can. Well, see that. Uh, he's
1: okay.
5: moving long time um and i do like i did like it at the time but i don't even really remember specific scenes from it i'm sure i would you know enjoy it even more if i saw it now in this scene but i don't really can't really comment on it i guess
3: um this is a this is probably the best scene from the movie. at least this is my favorite scene um just the way he like the way dick Edwards is able to play hanks in the scene and just like i know i'm this modern man and how he plays through that and he's just Really well done. Um, yeah, I. It's been a while since I've seen Catch Me uh, If You Can. I'm not a Kingsman, so I don't really like talk about this as one of the best Spielberg movies ever made. Unfortunately, but uh, I. Um, I do think it is a great scene, and there's it's definitely like... no one in the world that I don't hate right now. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
3: Thank you. Um, yeah, this is. But this is the best scene in the movie, and really just shows how well Spielberg can do with actors and uh, direction. So.
4: Uh, yeah, this is a fantastic scene. It, uh, it was on an early uh, draft of my list. Uh, fell off, uh, unfortunately, but I'm glad Cody put it on because uh, it, it's fantastic. It's, it's between this and uh, uh, when Frank sits down for lunch with his uh, father. Uh, that goes back and forth for my favorite scene in the film, but this is more often than not
1: pick. Uh pick.
4: It, it's a fantastic scene.
2: All right, Cody 86.
0: Always be closing.
2: Glenderry, Glenn Ross. Um.
0: Really, uh, I saw that. You talk, uh, you talk about one scene performances. Uh, this is. Uh, I think this is absolutely a a scene that uh, that deserves a ton. Uh, like it gets it, it gets memed a lot. A lot of people like quote it and stuff like that. But this scene, when you look back on it. I think it's brilliant. I think Alec Baldwin comes in and just gives a performance. And I love the dynamic of the scene. So, like, yes, what he's saying is, like, harsh and, like, in your face and, like, exactly. But he's saying this to Alan Arkin, uh, (laughs) Jack Lemmon, and Ed Harris. Basically, any job, it's always still like a job that people have been on the job for so long, and there's a new management and it's young, basically, and they have to tell the people that, hey, what you're fucking doing isn't working. And this is what needs to change. And it starts basically when he's like, put that fucking coffee down. And Lemon like looks at him and goes, what the fuck are you t-? Coffee's for closers. And just lets them all have it. And he's like, the prize for this, they brought me in because of the your guys aren't doing the job they're required and then he goes to the contest and it's like one of my favorite scenes is like first place car second place steak knives third place don't show up again you're fired and it's just like everybody's like because it's people that have been like on their like been just like at the job they don't feel like they can they're just going through the same stuff and they're like finding blames for everything and like lemon tells him you know the leads are weak Bleeds aren't weak. You're weak. And like, just basically, and then he's like, uh, Ed Harris goes, you're so rich. Why are you here? And he like, holds up the watch. He goes, you see this? It costs more than your car. I made $970,000 last year. <laughs> like, because that's why I'm here. And just like, he berates everybody in that scene, but he basically tells them like, this is it. You're either here, you're going to sell, or you're going to be gone. And it's the only scene he's in the movie. He shows up one time. He drops the mic and walks out, and I think it's a brilliant scene. Like, to this day, I still like – and it's I love the movie. So people say, like, this is the best scene in the movie. It is, and they, it, like, drops downhill. I, I like where it goes throughout the whole movie because it sets up everything after this. Like, the desperation on Lemon, what he does to like steal the leads and does all the stuff. And the one thing I love about this scene is there's one person missing from this scene. There's one person that's missing and it's it's the correct choice to miss. Because the one person in the office you don't yell at like this is Pacino. And Pacino's not in it. Because if Pacino it doesn't work, you need the three older like the weaker members of the team because as much as I would love the square off between Pacino and him. Pacino's like I hit my numbers. Don't fucking talk, talk to me, basically. So I think it's I think it's a brilliant way they do the scene, and it got a lot of hype before I even watched the movie. But yeah, it's, um, it's great.
2: Yeah, this scene's great. Um, just tells you so much about everything. Like his perform, like just his is the lines. He's like, "What you would tell me? You're a good father? F you. Go home and play with your kids." <laughs> and like just and just how he's like, just just the the most awful like version of everything like the worst like job the worst boss um and as much as you hate him what i love about the scene is it makes you hate spacey spacey's character because you know he just standing back there with that smug look on his face and you know he can't do this he doesn't have the guts to do this it's like when you're playing on the playground and there's like a little kid like messing with you and you go to go after him and you like his, his big brother shows up and the big brother's backing you off and the little brother's, like, behind them making faces and stuff. That's Spacey in this scene. Because he could never do, you know, th- these guys would all eat him for breakfast. So he just, like, smugly, like, oh, look, I got this guy to do it for me. Um, and like you said, it just sets up everything they do because it shows just how awful this world is. And just how cutthroat and just how ugly it, the, 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 what they have to do is. So it kinda, you, you kind of understand, you know, where they go from here based on the uh based on the speech and yeah like you said ricky roma you know he's he's the one that is good at his job he's he doesn't he doesn't need threatened like this um and that's kind of the sick thing is that like I, uh, uh he uh, baldwin's character really believes that like he's doing like something to help these guys like he's gonna motive doing this is gonna motivate these guys to do a good job and succeed and it, he's not just like completely emasculated them and like making them question everything about themselves. Um so no, this is a great scene. Um Cody's winning right now. Uh why didn't everybody else have this?
5: Not my favorite scene from the movie. Um I think uh I think a boatman in the chat, I think that's Boatman, probably on the multiplex account. Um I think picked the the best one. I mean, I I really enjoy the movie as well. I mean, uh, but especially some of the scenes in the third act with Pacino, with Jack Lemmon, um, when it all sort of comes crumbling down. Um, This scene for me is just like the dialogue is great, obviously, because it's Mamet. I just think Baldwin's performance by design is very one note. I mean, he's just yelling at them um and you know i get it that's what he's he's called in to do but for me i enjoy the sort of the nuance more nuanced acting that's going on later in the movie that's just more interesting to me and so that's why i gravitate towards other scenes but i totally get it it's a very entertaining scene to watch it's one of those scenes you just want to go like put it on youtube every now and then and just watch the scene like not not even the whole movie so um it's a good pick but would be on mine obviously
3: uh, yeah, I don't really have the same love for this movie as a lot of people. Um I didn't watch this movie until last year for I Logged It. I can't remember what, I think it was September or August. I can't specifically remember the month. But um yeah, I mean it is a great scene. I do like the scene a lot. Um it is just one of one of the best like one scene stealers. Uh, Baldwin just comes in, has his whole great monologue, does what he does, and then leaves and he's not in it like that for the rest of the movie. It is really good and it just shows cases like how Memorable the scene is because that's the scene I had always known about the movie um, as for, for like the, the reputation that this movie has. Um But as far as just like scenes goes, it's a scene that I didn't get to. It's a movie as well that I just didn't get to until last year, so I don't really have like that much like, connection to the movie. But I do think it is great. It just wouldn't make my top one hundred personally. Fair
1: enough. Uh,
4: yeah, this this is a great scene. Uh I also hadn't didn't watch this movie until I watched it for logged it. However, I did use this monologue for an audition in high school, and it was a lot of fun to do. But uh, this scene's great. Uh, Baldwin's fantastic. Le- uh, Lemon, all throughout the movie, uh, is fantastic. But uh, in this scene, Baldwin is the clear-cut standout for me. It's it's not close. Great fun.
2: Does video of that
1: exist? I was going to say, see a video of that? Same same thing.
2: Thing. Or, 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 fortunately not. I really want to see that. Uh, That's a shame. Um, but yeah, I mean, oh. you, guys, you guys are all right. Um, there are so many great scenes. Like I love the scene between uh Pacino and Lemon at the end where Lemon's telling are yeah, telling about the scene he made. A lot of great scenes. But I mean think about it, like the fact like the powerhouse cast this movie has, and Baldwin is the one everybody talks about. I think deservedly so. Um yeah, just you I don't think deservedly so. But uh, whatever. But okay, you're all on notice, but Cody, like you said to Jack, this is your eighty six. Yeah. So, what comes next?
0: Yeah, it's not, it's it's, it's going to be a little awkward. At the I don't think I'm talking about this one, but if I am, I'm okay with this 85. Uh, the final shootout: the good, the bad, the ugly. Oh, that's a yikes. Okay, I was <laughs> I figured. Um, okay, so my 84. This is one that is not in this movie. Like the scene that people think about. But this is a scene that really relates to me and this is why i picked it um i picked uh billy eats the ice cream from kramer versus kramer um the reason why i picked this is i think this is like the best acting performance from the kid in this movie and against dustin hoffman it's the first time he has to actually discipline billy and it sh- the the thing I love about Kramer versus Kramer is because he is not a fit father at the beginning of this film and where he has to go and, and in such a fast time because kids don't stop needing you. And he knows if he lets this kid get away with this, he's going to have to. Like, down the line, it's going to be problems. Um, so it's basically, they're sitting at the dinner table, he makes Salisbury steak, and he's like, oh, Salisbury steak. And the kid... Every parent's been there. The kid's like, "Yuck!" And he's like, "What? You had it last week. You said it was your favorite. No, I didn't. It smells like garbage. I hate this." Blah blah blah. And he keeps going with him. And Dustin, he's like, "Don't eat that. That's what your dinner is. Don't eat. I don't care." <laughs> like the dad, that's had enough. That's your dinner. Well, the kid leaves and goes and gets ice cream and sits down at the table. And Dustin Hoffman's like, "Don't you eat that ice cream, Billy?" don't you do it and Billy takes the bed of the ice cream and he has to take him to like alright that's it and you remove him from the room and they, they like yell at each other which is one of the most like comedic like it's not comedic because it's sad at the same time but he's like I hate you he's like I hate you too you little shit and shuts the door on it because in that moment he's just at a loft he he's he didn't plan to be a single parent at that time. He is a single parent, and he's having to work through all this stuff and to discipline Billy, so uh, I think I think it's actually a brilliant scene. Uh, there was a few that I was going to choose from. like I think the French toast scene at the beginning is really good, but overall I had to go with um, this one because I think it's the one that not enough people talk about.
2: Yeah, I think I mean the whole. That's the great part of this movie is that character arc he goes through from you know just being so completely disconnected to not being able to live without this kid. I mean that's that's the 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 crux of the whole movie. Um, I don't know if this is the best scene in the you know concerning that. Um, like you said, the French toast scene, some other stuff. Um, I mean, where it really has the impact because I mean it's kind of. I mean, like I said, as a dad, I've I've been there, but um it's kind of monotonous when they're at the table and he's like don't do that don't do that i'm not gonna say it again i'm not gonna say it again and you can tell uh that he really doesn't know what he's doing um the impact of it is really the, the, the i hate you right back part and then like he walks out and like it's like immediately regrets it and realizes holy crap i really screwed up but i don't know what else to do um and that's yeah that's so i mean again um all the scenes of this movie are great um i might have gone with another one uh, but i understand why you picked this one uh, yeah else. I think
0: I think I I think just with the thing is like at this point is like this is the first time like he has to it's not like happy go lucky together like it's not the fun and games like he's been trying to have with Billy he's got to actually get on to Billy and I think it makes him this scene jump starts to the end like where he has to like no, I care for this kid more than anything else at this point. I'm good with it. Again, there was like the trial scene and stuff like that that I thought about. But again, I think they've been talked to a lot. So, right.
2: Uh, everybody else on uh, the ice cream scene from Kramer vs. Kramer.
0: I've
3: only seen the last 30 minutes of this movie, so I have not seen the same.
2: So,
4: I've seen this movie a couple years ago. I don't remember a ton of it. Uh, unfortunately, I do remember really liking it. I don't fully remember this scene but uh hey i'm i'm excited to rewatch it so
5: yeah yeah i'm in a similar boat kind of what i was saying with catch me if you can i watched it years ago i was watching a bunch of legal movies uh back in the day and i decided to watch this one um liked the movie um don't remember the scene really i will probably watch it again at some point but probably not anytime soon because i left family law for a reason and that is going to uh be a wound that will take some time to close
1: but
2: all right uh cody that's uh that's it for you now uh we move on to jake uh god help us jake number eighty-seven. <sighs> yeah right
3: um yeah this is definitely not the best thing to talk about um you know, uh this is this is hard to say. yeah <laughs> uh, so Todd Salon is, is not a filmmaker who likes to make uh, films that are you know positive and uh you know uplifting, uh entertaining you could say. Uh but there's a movie ironically called Happiness, uh where he made a film with uh Dr. Kirk Connors, uh okay, yeah, Dylan Baker. Um uh, where he plays a pedophile. Um the scene is uh when he finally tells the truth to his son. Um, this is one of the most uncomfortable scenes, like, ever. this is a very hard scene, um, to watch, um, especially out of context without the entire movie. Um, basically his son sees him at night and just asks him, Hey, do you remember that kid Johnny that came over last night? Um, and there's been rumors and whispers around the neighborhood, like something's going on with the the kid and him specifically. And he just tells him, yeah, I fucked him. Like just, just cold stare. I... Did yes, I'm I did what you, you think I did, and then he tells him that I like he's basically tells him that yeah, he is a pedophile. Um, and I think the scene works really well because of the two performances. Like Cody was talking about how child actors, you know, like it is a really it's the best scene with the kid actor, honestly. Um, and that's the problem with a lot of child actors is that they're acting on a different sort of level with other you know, adult actors, um, just because of experience. But he is so like just broken like from this like re- realization and I think Dylan Baker also is just like really like powerful like, you can see the tears from his eyes like when he tells him the truth and then the, the the worst part of the scene is when he asks him would you fuck me and he says no I jerk off instead and then that's when he starts just like crying and bawling his eyes out and it is just an uncomfortable scene but it is one where it is intentionally discomfort It is entirely supposed to make you, and I think that is hard to do. And I think the way the the actors play it out, the dialogue and the way that the cameras are positioned, it's just a shot reverse shot. It doesn't create any other sort of like emotion. It's just there to make you uncomfortable, but it is a very powerful scene. And I think it absolutely is effective. Hey, Todd, what the fuck?
2: Yeah, Uh, man, Uh, Jake, I don't know. Um, like I, I didn't get a chance to watch the movie. Um, because I, I really wish I told you
3: to at least try. Just the whole context of it does really. Yeah, work I, I than mean, just the, the you. The problem
2: is, eat. you guys are giving me a lot of two and a half, three-hour movies to watch. And that's just <laughs> this that's is like rough. ninety minutes, minutes. But um, but this is uh, yeah. I I don't know if like the complete context would have made this better or worse, but. Yeah, it starts out like the kid. I mean, at first, the kid gets better at first. It's like Jake Lloyd level acting, like what are midichlorians, sir, kind of stuff. Um, and that somehow makes it worse, what's going on, because like, um, but man, I don't even know what to say about it. I, I, Jake, <laughs> I mean, I understand appreciated it for just what it does, but to have it on your top 100 of all time, man, that's... 87, 87. Still, it's in there. Um, has anybody else seen this?
5: I want to because I liked one of Todd Solon's other movies, but I uh, haven't seen it. Life During War Times? Wiener Dog. Oh. I, Wiener. <laughs> I watched it because of Greta Gerwig's in it, but anyway. Yeah, okay. no, that, makes that makes sense.
4: So, uh, I for, some, for whatever reason, I am able to stomach... Uh, really tough movies uh multiple times but i haven't gotten to this one yet so uh we'll see if i ever do and if uh if if uh if i like it but i i know i'm i'm, I'm uh, i've been looking to watch this movie it's just i have to be in the right headspace <laughs> so. I, don't, I don't know
2: if there's a right headspace for this so. Cody, your thoughts.
0: I am muted at the wrong time. I'm not watching this. I promise you that. <laughs> I heard about the jerk off and I I'm done. I'm absolutely done at that point. I don't I don't even care the context. No thank you. <laughs>
2: All right. Uh let's cleanse the palette from that one. 86
1: Yes.
3: let's let really cleanse it. Because we're on the like completely other side. Let's just make something that's just absolutely fuck yeah. Uh my only scene from I think it's my only scene from this year. From a movie from this year. Uh it is the greatest dance sequence of all time. It's the Natu Natu dance sequence from Triple R. Um this, yeah. is, this is the power of the movies, this scene. This is just great. You see the, the two characters go to this uh this British um you know uh, building and they're like there for like this sort of like lunch. And then you have the asshole British whacker who his character name is Jake. I don't really like that, but you know. I have to deal with it but and he just says hey do you know how to do the tango do you know how ballet do you know like any of these dancing's like no we know the natu natu and they just break out and start singing and start dancing in like the one of the most fuck yeah dance sequence just one of the most fuck yeah mo- uh, scenes like i that in most in, in recent memory um just the power of the scene just makes you want to get up and start dancing like they do and i have no idea how they are doing it but it is just really powerful and just like the magic of the movies, where this is a, this whole film, this three-hour film, is an, is, a, is just filled with incredible action, but then we're just going to take a step away from that and just have this dance sequence. Um, it is the power of Hollywood, and it's the power of movies, and it's just absolutely great. I love the scene so much that I have the song on my Spotify playlist for how much it kicks ass,
0: so,
1: yeah.
0: And then Cody has That's it on Cody. I can't speak about how much I love this movie. Like, I, there's a new show, plug my other show. uh, (laughs) It's called Roundtable. It comes out monthly. We talked about RRR. Thank you for the country of India. That it is the high, one of our highest viewed shows on this channel right now because people are watching it and loving it and having the conversation. Me and Mike are already planning the double feature of uh, this director's. Uh, two movies prior, it's like a beginning of the seat. Like there's a sequel to it. I'm I'm all in. I'm a hundred percent in on whatever this movie. I had zero expectations, zero. And this this scene right here, because when I'm first watching this movie, I'm watching a lot of it. I'm like. This is a lot. Like, this is a lot to take on. This movie makes no sense. This is crazy. This is stuff that normally would just like, oh god, was too much. This scene happens. it switches, and I'm like a hundred percent in this dance sequence in this movie is crazy with the scene and the dancing. Like, I can't dance, but it made me want to try. Um, it is just one of the most like, just fun time to- I wish I saw this in the theater I really do it's Go my on number that. one movie of it's my number one movie of the year right now I haven't seen everything I haven't seen very little but like this movie is so much fun and this scene alone makes it that where they're at this dance and like they throw the thing to like the drums all start kicking in and they're like though like the British are like trying to dance up against them and then they start battling each other until like whoever drops again I, I told Kirk, like, I think the context of the movie, I think you can just watch this without the context of the movie. I've watched the scene numerous times since, but uh, with the movie, it plays really well. But, yeah, the scene, top-notch, top-notch.
2: Yeah, another another three-hour movie I didn't have a chance to watch. I do want to see <laughs> this, obviously. Um, but I saw you know, I even talked to Cody. Like, he mentioned, you know, do I need the context? He said no. So I watched just the scene, um, my question, I did a lot of research. I could not find it either way. and I don't know if you guys could tell me or something in the chat. Are there any visual effects or camera tricks in the scene, Or is that
5: all... I think there's got to be some. Like, That's a great there's much probably much some. some. The yeah. set maybe Because but, there's
2: certain points where their feet are moving and it just doesn't look real at all. So, I mean, honestly, to me, that kind of... Uh, to me, that kind of... lessens it. Um. Nice. Because, listen, I have to hear everybody in the com- this community tell me that uh, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody is a bad movie because I have to listen to Freddie Mercury sing. If characters It's have a bad to movie actually, for other reasons if, than that. If characters <laughs> actually have to sing for the song movie to be good, then I need people to actually dance for the dance movie to be good, or the dance scene anyway um so i mean again i would have find that out because that's really gonna like because if they're doing that stuff for real holy crap because it, do- it doesn't look humanly possible what they're doing um but overall it's still pretty fun um again it was super hyped up to me and i think i went in with some different expectations of what to expect and that may have impacted it so i liked it i enjoyed it i definitely see why you guys have it in your top 100 uh jack and scott you guys did not have you seen this and if so why don't you have it on your list
5: Jack, yeah. have, have, have you not seen them?
4: No, but I really
5: want to. It's just I haven't had the time. Um, Yeah, I, I, I didn't pick any 2022 scenes. I mean, I could have and should have probably. But uh, this would have been the one to pick. I mean, I, I'll be shocked if there's a better scene, honestly, from this year. Um, I actually just put out a tweet a little bit ago because I saw that I saw they that. submitted this song for, they submitted Natu Natu for best original song for the Oscars. For consideration for the Oscars, uh, picture not, director,
3: all, everything.
5: It's not even going to be nominated, but like, just thinking about the chaos that would ensue if it did, I, I mean, I, the Academy would gain so much credit. What if they had to perform
0: it on the show? Yeah. The, like yeah. It, like it, they, that'd be great. That'd get so many viewers. Uh, yeah, yeah. But that's
5: the thing. I, I to can see that happening. The Academy if- is it's gonna be it's gonna be, be replaced by some sort of sketch about the slap instead. And oh God. We'll all no, they'll be like it'll
2: long. be like uh Kristen Wieg and some yeah. and like Maya Rudolph, Maya Rudolph yeah. redoing this dance. That'll that'll be what they do. That'll, be, that'll, be, that'll, be, <laughs> uh, that'll uh, be the sketch.
1: God, I don't
2: even want to think about that. Oh, there's there's so many bad things that could happen this year at that show. Uh Jake, what is your number 85? Uh,
3: 85. One uh, of my favorite, uh, I think I'd say, favorite twists uh, of all time. <laughs> oh, that really just, a, that really hit Just the idea that could happen. Oh god. Um, yeah, this 85 is one of my favorite twists of all time. Uh, from just a really great uh, horror movie that, uh, that James Wan and uh, Lee Winnell made. Um, it's I call it Hello Zep. Oh, the twist, the ending to saw. Um, I think watching this for the first time and not even thinking about the fact that the dead body uh spoiler spoiler this is big spoiler this is if you have not seen so i highly recommend it um okay uh the fact that you don't even think about the fact that the dead body in the middle of the bathroom is actually the jigsaw killer himself and that revelation at the end when you just have this like close up of adam's face just realizing that oh wait a minute this guy that i thought was the jigsaw killer no he's just another pawn in the Jigs- in Jigsaw's game. And you just see the body that has been dead and just been resting there the entire movie just gets up and he takes the makeup off and you just realize that's the Jigsaw killer. He was there the whole time to see the whole situation play out. And then the iconic piece of music, which is called Hello Zip, plays throughout the scene, which has become essentially the, the staple. It's the cornerstone of the entire franchise. It plays in pretty much every Saw movie, even uh, Jigsaw and Spiral just it completely takes you off guard and really just is a perfect twist for, I think, a great horror movie, uh, even if the sequels suck, but uh, just brilliant twist. And then he's just like, no, you, most people are so ungrateful, but not you anymore. And then closes it and says, game over. And it's just like that 10 seconds of the fade to, uh, cut to black. And you just hear Adam screaming and then bang, directed by James Wan Lee Uh Just brilliant twist. And uh, one of the best horror twists of all time.
2: Yeah. Um, the downside to this is that it, I knew the ending. Like I, before I saw the movie, like it had been spoiled for me. Um, so I didn't have the impact of that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a great twist. Like I could see why going in blind and not seeing that coming at all would be like so crazy. And um, yeah, the sequel, this is, this is a franchise where the sequels, especially that piece of music, like by right. the time you get like, it's a complete joke. Like it's like a, it's like a, it reminds me of like an SNL skit because it's like the music starts like here's some dumb other new reveal we learned about about the jigsaw. There's another jigsaw killer. Yeah. Um, so, but I mean, it just, here in its purest form, it's still so good. Um, and I, like I wish it would have just stayed with this, uh, but because. Uh, I don't think this movie has I haven't seen Spour yet, but I've seen the rest of them. And from what I've seen, this movie does not have a good sequel. Um so but yeah, this is a, a great twist, great ending. Uh everybody else on Hello Zep. Haven't seen it,
0: knew about this. I'm
2: gonna go because okay, the internet. <laughs>
0: Um, so Zach. So Jack, sorry, I called you Zach. Um, <laughs> yeah, Zach. that man's a, a I'm still player. mad at Zach. I'm still mad at Zach from last top 100. Um, <laughs> okay. The fact that we're just sitting here and saying Saw Two is not a good movie makes me very upset. Saw Two is great. Uh, I will stand by Saw Two is still That's great. Fine. Uh, yeah. Like those are where it stops. I agree with the rest of them, but Saw Two. I can't wait to watch both of these coming up. Hopefully a double feature with Mike. Um, but um no, this is a scene that I wanted to include so bad and I forgot about I forgot to make like a change of it. Um, but I'm glad you brought it up. I wish I could go back to time to see this for the first time again and have that feeling. Because I I mean, not knowing what was happening, and when he stands up and like slams the door and the the music again still like sets that mood for it. And then when he slams that door and says game over and Just Scream just lets out. I think it's I think it's a brilliant ending to a horror movie. I don't like what this franchise becomes. I think that music does get overused. I think they should have saved it for the rest of it. Um, but especially in... Well, as soon as Jigsaw dies, like, in the third one, they should probably have just moved on or quit. The but, timeline um, of the Saw
3: franchise is so fucked. But it takes place in all this, and then this, this, oh, so much.
0: But, yeah, like, after everything happens that saw the leg, like, oh he gets up it's it's a brilliant scene good job i'm i wish i would have put it on there
5: yeah uh i've seen a few of these really good movie um i you know was talking about earlier threads of our dogs it's very mean very nasty obviously and this is sort of the the ultimate example of that so it's not going to be a favorite movie for me uh, but i get it if it is for for other people like i think from a filmmaking standpoint it's extremely well done Uh
2: so we talked talking about that, Jake eighty four. Eighty four. Well. Wow. <laughs>
3: I had to include a scene from the Matrix franchise. Um I am always been a big fan of the Matrix films. and I think Reloaded is like is underrated. We don't really talk about how great Reloaded is. Um and there's a scene that people people really don't like to talk about, and people don't like, but I honestly am a sucker for this sequence this is an incredible action sequence i am talking about the fact when neo has to fight 150 smiths neo versus smith's action sequence from matrix reloaded
5: put up the banner
3: I thought you were about it. to
5: pick the freaking sex scene, and I was gonna
3: go <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is a great sex scene. It's very hot. Um, Neo vs Smith. Well, it's from 2003, but that's fine. There we go. Well, we're we'll not playing trivia. Yeah. Stop playing trivia. Sorry, I just, I can't, it matter
1: battle year came out. Everybody <laughs> came
3: out away. in 1914. Um, all right. So this scene is really great. This is Smith's reintroduction to the franchise. We thought he was killed. Oh no! It turns out he's a virus, and he can actually copy himself. And then we have this great opening, like this. This is really great in the sense that it just keeps building up. You, have, you know Neo can beat Smith one-on-one, but now it's Neo versus mm, 10 Smiths, and he still can beat them all. Then it turns into 20. Then it turns into 50, and then that's at that point, oh, wait, I can't beat them all. I'm going to grab this pole, and I'm going to start doing a bunch of flips and crazy shit, start speeding the fuck out of them, and then Smith's like, oh, wait, I need more. So that's when 150 Smiths come into this, this action scene, and it just becomes this crazy amazing operatic sort of choreography, the way he's able to spin around. I'm just like absolutely losing my shit over the scene. Um, I know a lot of people don't really like the the CG in this sequence, especially later half of the sequence. But I don't know, I just watched it as a kid um, and I just never really got that. I really just was, I had ne- never seen an action scene like this before. I don't think anyone really has. And the way the Wachowskis were able to go to something bigger while still maintaining the essence of the first Matrix in its like insane action scene, uh, scenes I think really works for this um and I just like really like re-watching the scene every now and then and I think the music also is really great um and it's it's Don Davis but there's like some remix they 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 got a um I think Juno reactor I can't remember the other people but um they kind of did a remix of his score and throughout the scene I think it's really good I think this, the piece is called Burly and it really really works for the scene. Um, yeah, I just this is sort of a guilty pleasure, but in a, I do think the scene is just like fantastic and fun to watch.
2: I will say this scene is definitely not the biggest problem with this movie. Um, <laughs> and I just think it's a better one of those much better the concept than the execution. Um, and I think, think it's just like the like I don't know if we've seen how much we saw before this, but it's just like one of those like things that's, with these sequels. It's like, okay, everybody like Neo versus Smith. How about Neo versus 100 Smiths? Just yes. more Smiths. And um, so it just overkill. And, and the, the, the choreography of the fight scenes aren't bad, um, but the special effects do not hold up. Um, I think that's the biggest weakness. the The, the, fights, the, 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 the effects are just kind of bad. And I think it just—it's one of those things where you just had diminishing returns throughout the sequels. Um, I there's definitely another action scene I would have picked if I was going to pick one from this movie. Um, But everybody else on Neo versus a million Mr. Smith agents. Two (laughs) thousand three changed. (laughs) Two
0: thousand three changed your life, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, Matrix-related Like, 2002, 2003 just, like, completely changed who you were as a person.
3: They really did. It's my favorite. That makes sense.
0: Could you imagine if somebody, like, stopped making you watch shit and watch you would have, could, could you, you wouldn't have had, like, that scene from Happiness on this list? Things could to change. You would have been in a better spot. Um, but no, God, no. This is so bad. How does this Florida age bad? to
2: 2005 uh, Hulk, uh, to, uh, King Kong, Oh, I'd rather, watch, this. Yeah, no. No. This rather just, watch that. You'd rather watch that. This is much less of a slog than 05 King Kong. Yeah, King Kong's like three hours long. This is yeah. only. Like Neo Agent Smith don't ice skate together at any point in this movie. It's <laughs> true.
5: Um. Anyway, I like this movie. Um. And I like the scene as well. But yeah, I'm sorry. There, there's a scene in this movie that is the pick, and it's probably it's actually probably my favorite scene, uh, action scene, in the whole trilogy. It's another highway chase, uh, but also because I just love Morpheus and him like with a sword is just one of the most badass things, freaking ever. But uh, yeah, this is a good, good scene. Um, You know, I think the the action in the Matrix is incredible. Like, you're not going to find an action scene really to pick out that isn't you know doing something pretty crazy, honestly. Uh, Yeah, I have
4: I've seen this scene a lot, because it's like uh, everywhere. For a while I saw it all the time on YouTube for whatever reason. I don't know why, but I did. Uh, I still haven't seen the movie, though. I've only seen the first Matrix.
2: You could stop there.
3: No,
4: no. you gotta watch the the sequel so you can watch
2: Resurrections,
3: because Resurrections is
2: awesome. He flies away on that phone booth, and whatever you imagine is what happens. Rage Against the Machine. (laughs) Yes. Um. All right, we're going to have Jacob a break to think about what he's done. Scott, what is your number 87? Forgive
5: me if i all right. 80, 87 is my Ethan Beller honorary tribute to the male anatomy pick. Uh, it's uh, the bathhouse fight from uh, Eastern Promises. <laughs> um, I love this movie, first of all. It was in my top 100. But, yeah, I mean, look, this is the scene from this movie. Um, it is one of the you know if not the most brutal fight scenes that you will find in any movie like it genuinely feels um like you're right there watching a nude vigo mortensen just like getting it you know getting into an absolute knockdown drag out fight with this other guy um and you know again the the they're bleeding they're just like literally just trying to rip each other's heads off it feels like um and it's you know it's gnarly and the the final moment of like the guy getting the freaking knife you know shoved right into his head um and that's the conclusion um you know just the physicality of it is amazing like david cronenberg is a genius um And so, just for the sheer sort of visceral impact of it, I think it had to make my list. And also because I just love the entire movie so much. But uh, yeah, tribute to to Ethan as well, I guess. Uh, From Vigo in this scene. Yeah, this is uh, the
2: most like Cronenberg fight scene possible. Because, like, if you look at just like you said, how they're fighting, just like how brutal it is, like, it's not to like. It's not to, like, knock somebody out or to just incapacitate them. It's not even really to kill. It's just, like, the, the goal is to maim and yeah. to do just as much, like, disgusting damage as possible. And, like, that is one thing. And then on top is, like, oh, one dude's going to be naked the entire time. <laughs> and um, it is just, like, just so hard to watch for so many reasons. Like, it's just so – he's, like, he's like I'm going to make a scene that everybody's going to, like, completely do this to because – there's only really so much you could take, and he achieves that. Um, so yeah, it's a it's it's a great fight scene because of just how brutal it is, but it's incredibly hard to watch. Uh, everybody else on Bathhouse for Easter promises.
3: I haven't seen the movie, but I have seen the scene. Um, it is it's a lot, you know. I really respect Vigo because he definitely seems like someone who doesn't really have an ego when it comes to like showing his body. Um, you see everything, and I think it's a uh, it's something to uh, to him as an actor
0: so question so some films can be brutal and just not fun and mean like spirited film and then some just are not your i'm really confused at what scott like if it's from cronenberg it's okay if it's like a pretty brutal hard to watch scene and then when other directors do it it's just cheap ploy and gross and not your favorite i'm just i don't think i
5: used those words
0: i don't know you said a bunch of bullshit at some point at some point so all i'm saying is um yeah, of all scenes that we brought up, well, good lord! Like of this being on your list, I, I think you're just a total hypocrite of anything you said tonight about any bad scene or any mean scene. Because holy shit,
5: this is rough. That's a rough the movie, scene. The movie itself actually has a lot of heart in it, but you should probably watch. I like
0: yeah, figure that out. I've seen. I, I know I've seen the movie. I think. I think. It, I think it, I'm just surprised. I'm. You know. This isn't Lady Bird. This isn't love and thing. This is naked veto. Vito getting worked out of them. So crazy.
5: <laughs> that too. <laughs> uh
0: All yeah. Right. Uh, um,
4: oh, sorry. Oh, sorry.
1: I'll
4: keep this quick. Uh I love this scene. I'm really mad at myself. This should have been on this list, but it's just one that completely slipped my mind while I was making it. Great pick. Uh
5: this scene's incredible.
2: All right. What do you got next there?
5: Uh, all right, Cody. You want to see how versatile I am? Uh, portals! Yikes! All right. Wait, what?
0: Knew you weren't talking. I knew you weren't talking we're about tonight. but right? I'm yeah. shocked. Yeah, I'm pretty
5: shocked.
1: Wow.
0: I can't really talk about this one. Hmm.
5: All right. Uh, 85 uh, is the first sacrifice from Midsummer. Now we're back on track. <laughs> That's the Scott I know. Yeah, yeah. so I mean, amazing movie And the slow build of it um, Obviously at first Is, it's very slow It's very deliberate It's just really building that atmosphere And, you know, getting under your skin What is going on here Is there something more sinister going on here You know, it just seems It's unsettling But like, is it just kind of a cultural thing, right? I think that's where some of it uh, Where some of the tension comes from early in the movie And then, you know slowly you start to realize something not right is going on here and then this scene is where it, you know really transitions to the next part of the movie um with you know the old man walking to the top of the mountain and it's like oh what's gonna happen what's gonna happen and then he jumps um and then the old woman jumps after him and you know the or maybe it's the other way around i can't remember, but. Um, that shot of like whichever one of them it is like coming up off the rock after their face has just been like smashed in it's just terrifying honestly and then you know the ensuing freak out by simon and connie the british people who were there um obviously having the reaction that we're all having um contrasted with you know jack rayner christian just kind of being like Wow, that's like, you know, that's pretty messed up or whatever. And, you know, just furthering the red flags that are going on there, uh, because obviously Danny Florence Pugh's character is, is, you know, equally freaked out about it. Um, But it's really just a a great way to just kick things into overdrive for the second half of the movie, because obviously, you know, things are going to get crazy from here on out and they do. Um, but uh, a masterful crescendo of the slow burn tension that they had, that Ari Aster had built up to that point. And, you know, being in broad daylight as well, of course, like the rest of the movie is. But the, the light in this scene is so, like, stark and white. It's just, like, you see everything. You see it all there. You can't hide from the, the terror that's going on.
2: Yeah, um, that's the one thing I think about. Like you said, uh, just the the light and the daylight, the contrast of that with, and not just that, just but how like idyllic everything is, how peaceful and calm, and how um, you know normal this seems to people. And I think the brilliance is in making the main characters, um, are they sociologists or anthropologists? I can't remember what they were. Anthropologists, anthropologists, students. Yeah, 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 but that's uh, but um, because that's the only way the movie could happen really because like you said you know normal people are not going to be like oh yeah we'll stick around see what happens but the fact that these characters are able to like have that like detached scientific viewpoint of it and just be like okay this is their culture and we'll see what happens um that's the only way the movie can move on from this spot um so yeah this is i I remember watching this for the first time and it was just like you knew i mean obviously you knew something was going on but you were not Mm -hmm. expecting this um so yeah i think that's another great another great daylight horror scene um everybody else on the sacrifice and sore.
0: i'm this is car crash the movie for me like so hard to look away don't love it don't scott you're 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 fan you're a fascinating guy um overall uh I love to see the face detached from the body. It's real good
5: times. Um, uh, I didn't say I love it. I said it's terrifying. No. It's affecting. You know.
0: Fair, fair, mm-hmm. fair. You know, you, you're not wrong. Um, but overall, I've seen this movie one time. I don't consider this a bad movie. I just consider this a non-Cody movie. Um, and I was like... I was. I watched the whole thing. I stared at but I did not like what was going on the entire time. I think, like... And this has got like, you know, you know Kirk's favorite actress in it, so you'll probably get some points for that. So made some pretty good choice. I'm
5: glad he didn't mention that. Yeah. <laughs>
3: um, yeah, this Talk is a – I I like the scene. Oh, sorry. Um yeah, I like the scene a lot. Um I, I it's the guy I think he's is one of them still not dead? He's still alive. Am I misremembering the scene? Yeah. Although they yeah. yeah,
5: yeah, because they have to crush him, yeah, yeah. Like the crush because yeah. he's
3: like breathing like
5: hot, like the, the old man voting. like his teeth it's, are like out of his head it's basically. so
3: yeah. fucked that that
5: visual i, I, I remember, that remember that yeah.
3: specifically um when i saw it um back in 2019 i just been like yeah this is uh, <laughs> this is a scene not to never to forget um and i think it also just like it it has that turn for the entire movie of oh wait okay there's a lot more going on um yeah really really effective scene um from the movie um i think i like this there's a couple other scenes i really like later down the movie but this is like definitely one that's sort of indicative of the movie itself representative so yeah i yeah, know uh
4: this is a this is a phenomenal scene i hated this movie the first time i saw it but uh upon rewatching it i almost put a scene from this movie on here it wasn't this one it was it, it was the opening scene but uh uh this scene is fantastic it took me a while to come around to
2: it but yeah I know, great pick okay scott what do
5: you got next all right uh i have another one cody's gonna love but uh from the french dispatch this is the the mural reveal scene um i mean i love this movie and the the concrete masterpiece which is the first long segment um is like probably my favorite segment of any wes anderson movie um, and it culminates with this scene where Moses Rosenthaler, which is the Benicio del Toro character, is revealing the work of art um, you know that he's been commissioned to make. Um, and first of all, the the two words as to why the number one most amazing thing about the scene, Adrian Brody, um, his performance in this scene is Julian Cadazio, the the guy who commissions him to make the painting, is hilarious but you know one of the hardest i've laughed in a movie in a long time when i watched this in theaters but his motor mouth you know delivery and everything it's kind of like he's almost um following up his grand budapest hotel character in a way but he's not too far from that but um you know first the the mural being revealed and like he's not a guy who knows that much about art they make that pretty clear but like he sees something in this and pays him an obscene amount of money and of course he's initially like wowed by it we have another Lois Smith appearance um as the old woman like from Kentucky who's like admiring the painting and he's going on this monologue about how she's the, you know, such and such uh noted art person and who all she is. And then all of a sudden just he breaks off in the middle of uh his sentences, like, why the fuck did she say fresco? Uh, because he realizes that the the painting has been painted into the walls, um, and is not going to be something that he can take and, you know, hang in a gallery or whatever, do do what he wants with it um and you know they have a an argument a fight breaks out where he's chasing after him in the wheelchair and then Lea dude trips both of them and they fly, go flying it's some great slapstick um, and then finally it ends up with him sort of begrudgingly um you know admiring the painting the fresco for what it is and finally realizing sort of what art is at the end of all of this so it has a nice little uh neat resolution there but yeah it's just it's got like everything i love about wes anderson the aesthetics and it are great like the switches between black and white and color the humor and um and you know just the the clever plotting and dialogue so um i love this movie i love this scene
2: yeah this is a great scene uh maybe the best from the movie uh i think like you're saying like with the slapstick humor like when that fight ensues like it's all like you know they're doing it like all slow motion everything um so many movies try to do like that like old time screwball comedy thing and 99 percent of the time when modern movies do it it just falls flat because they're just completely imitating what's coming for and um, it just looks really cheap and generic and i usually hate it but i think he does such a good job I mean, this is like this Segment specifically in the movie is like maybe like the most Wes Anderson thing, Wes Anderson thing, Wes Anderson's ever done. And um, this scene like totally has his stamp on it. And it does that like slaps the comedy, but as his his type of thing. So, um, no, I think it's really funny. I really enjoyed the scene uh, when I saw it. One of my favorite highlights of the movie for me. Uh, everybody else on the mural mural reveal. Yeah. French just-
3: um I haven't seen the movie since cinemas back in last year. Um, So my memory is a little foggy um, on the scene itself. Um, I like the movie a lot. It's just one of those things where I don't know if I just... Like, with a lot of... With specifically Grand Budapest, that's a movie that I liked when I first saw, and it was when I watched it multiple times where I really started to, like, fall in love with the movie. I feel like that will be the same case for French Dispatch. Um, It's on Disney Plus, so I can just rewatch it whenever. But I do want to rewatch it just so I get more... So, I really connect more with the movie. Um, but because, weirdly enough, the, the first segment is my least favorite, but that's just because I like the other segments a little bit more. But then again, I've only seen it once. I imagine my opinion will probably change when I rewatch it. Um, but yeah.
4: Yeah, I haven't seen it.
3: I want to hear what Katie has to say.
0: Uh, Adrian Brody sucks at acting. Um, I can't stand him overall, um, and everybody knows how I feel about this movie. The man cares more about what's happening. With, like this, uh, what was it? The, my personal favorite scene is when the paper just falls. So, yeah, that's him! He cares more about everything than uh, the actual stuff on the screen, So, uh, or the actor, so can't stand it. No, thank you. Cody, okay, what if I told you
2: the good news, Sup least favorite actor is Adrian Brady. Adrian <laughs> what? But the reason. That's, par- that's is, probably the reason from the
1: 05 TikTok.
2: TikTok 05. Yeah, so. Yeah, good news, good which, news, is which is uh, fair.
1: Which is fair.
2: Okay. Uh, that takes us to the bo- our top three for the night. Uh, we're going to go carousel style here, starting with Jack.
1: In your All
4: right. Yeah, my number 83 is Reading the hmm. Letter from the Oxbow Incident.
1: Uh, Never this sounds like a made up movie, right? Yeah.
4: Massive spoiler alert <laughs> yeah. for this film in particular. If you haven't seen it, it's barely over an hour it's on YouTube. Watch it. Fantastic. Uh okay. So, the Oxbow incident uh just brief uh recap uh here. Uh someone's been murdered uh or they, the the town believes that someone has been murdered and uh a mob forms and they go to they go to lynch them uh, to uh, deliver justice to the murderer. And, uh, so they, they go and throughout the film, uh, eventually spoiler alert, they hang the guy that they believe murdered whoever, uh, it was, uh, that, that died. Uh, when in fact, uh, and again, massive spoiler alert for the Oxbow incident, uh, that might not have been the case. Uh, Humphrey Bogart, uh, at the, at the end of the film, uh, Humphrey Bogart has the letter that the man Henry Donald, Fonda. yeah, or sorry, Henry, Henry Fonda. Why I say Humphrey Bogart? I don't know. I'm tired. It's been a long day. Henry, Henry Fonda. Yes, Henry Fonda has the letter that uh, he, uh, that, the, that Donald, the man who was hung, uh, wrote to his wife uh, explaining everything that happened. And when Henry Fonda reads the letter to his, uh, to his buddy, I completely broke down. Uh, this scene is, is incredibly powerful. It fully, uh, it brings home uh, everything the film was trying to say uh, previous. And it's just the most effective. Uh, it, it's incredibly simple. It's just someone reading a letter. But it, it's just incredibly effective in everything it does. Incredible film. If you haven't seen it, please watch it and this film just brings it home or this scene just brings it home great scene
2: uh yeah i watched this for the first time because it was on your list and i really enjoyed it I thought it was a great movie um i think the whole thing because i mean the middle part of the movie is basically just one long scene um yeah. and this is kind of like the uh conclusion of it um i think again this isn't one i would have picked picked a scene from just because it's not because it's a bad movie because it's all just like one you know uncut garment um i mean it is powerful when he reads it, especially everything but i think all the stuff that comes before that sets it up is a little more powerful um but like i said fantastic movie everybody should watch this uh has anybody else seen this i have not seen it scott
5: no haven't seen it i didn't all want right. to hear the
2: spoiler all right no problem uh, that takes us to Cody, and Cody's number
0: 83. Uh, fandom. Uh, X2.
5: White House mm, Raid. Yes. Hell yes.
0: Um, I'm a sucker for uh, X-Men. Uh, always have been, always will be. Spider-Man or X-Men will get me into a the theater probably any time, even if they're garbage. Um, I still stand by, I think X2 is one of the best comic book movies that's ever been made. Like, I don't think this one gets enough, like, credit for, like, I know the MCU, like, James, what people think, but this movie, one feels like the most X-Men team movie that they've ever, like, came close to, kind of. It's still far apart. It's still pretty far from, it's still Wolverine-driven, but this Nightcrawler scene, through the White House, where they shoot this, and how they, how he w- uses his powers to get in and get right to the president with that knife, I think is just brilliant. I've watched the scene more times than I've probably watched, like by itself, than the movie. Um, it, I think, it just it's fantastic. I think he gives a great performance. who plays Nightcrawler? Just Alan Cumming. Mm-hmm. Alan Cumming. I think he does a great job as Nightcrawler. We're supposed to see, and I think like for the, how it looks, and still to this day, looks just as good. I think. I think this movie. Uh, I think this is like a, a fantastic scene. I had to put it on my because when I think of scenes, I think of actions. I think of like what uh, scene makes you feel like this is this is a scene that had to be on my list. So uh, white
1: not? Right? Yeah,
2: uh, I love Nightcrawler. He's probably my favorite x-men uh both in the comics and uh in these movies um i love his powers and there's nothing as as somebody who read or who read comics um there's nothing more satisfying than when they get the powers right and they yeah. translate translate which on the page into the uh you know onto the screen and they get bamfing perfectly they got the sound right the look right everything is perfect and the use of the, the, the tele- that's just like one of my favorite like i think i just such a cool like simple superpower that you can do so much with and they do in this scene um the way he's moving around they think he's in different places uh you know the fights you know the you know when he's like bamfing around kicking guys and fighting them and like grabbing them, but like moving to other places um it's amazing um i just think it's uh the look of the character is so good with him in the in the trench coat. And he's got like the, like the kind of painted face and the teeth and everything. So the tail comes out. Oh, it's so good. Um, yeah, I love this scene. This is what uh, probably. Uh, I, yeah, it's definitely up there for the for the X Men franchise for me. Um, I can't get enough Nightcrawler. I just think he did come back for the sequels. Um, at least this version. Of everybody else on the uh, Nightcrawler scene next to. Uh,
3: what a way to open the movie but like it's just this sequence. It's um, I really love the use of classical music um, in movies. And this is like one of the best ways, like it uses it to just really create how cinematic the experiences. Um, this started like an obsession with teleportation as a power for me. Like I'm, this and the movie jumper, weirdly enough, I was just like teleportation, that's a power I would definitely love. Um, and the way that I don't want to talk about him, but the director uh, uses uh Nakroal's powers during the one sequence or the one moment where he's in the way he's in the actual the what's the the whole the like, he's in the actual room. I can't oh, remember you the, office, office. Yeah. the oh, office. Office. I forget. You're not American. I'm not American. <laughs> um, and it's just a slow mo shot of him punch, kicking, kicking him. teleport, punch, teleport, flip, teleport. Like that whole sequence, it just plays out so well. Um, and I think again, yeah, I think Nakroal is definitely one of my favorite uh, mutants, one of my favorite superheroes, honestly. Um, and the way they really capture like the essence of his powers and it's just yeah just brilliant i wish he was in x-men last stand to be honest like it's just he's he's really he really has a mark in the in the franchise
4: yeah uh if you're gonna pick just a single scene from the x-men franchise then this is definitely up there uh for me uh especially especially in the the first three movies this is the scene uh it's in, it's absolutely incredible Uh, it was on an early version of my list fell off unfortunately but glad cody had it
5: i'm kind of mad at myself for not actually thinking of it because it does it does rule um the only thing i have to add is that the cgi in this scene i mean it has to be said it's better than a lot of (laughs) contemporary superhero movies so um yeah i i don't know what happened there but they were doing more with their money back then
2: All right, Jake, hit us with your 83.
3: What is my 83? Oh, um, I I believe Holtzman is not here at the moment, so this is almost textbook pandering for him. Um, But I'm talking about the uh, opening chase from Baby Driver. Uh, I think this is one of my favorite openings to a movie ever. This really, like, even, like, before the movie starts, when you hear the ringing of the the i think it's the columbia logo the sony logo and the columbia logo just shows up and it's like it really puts you in the head of um of baby um and then bang bell bottom starts you see them go out the car and it's just him and it's not even focusing on the rubbery it's just focusing on what the baby doing while he's just waiting in the car he's listening to bell bottoms and i'm just like i don't know if we've all been there but we're all just hand boning to the song playing around in the car it's also edgar wright's uh sort of a remake of his music video for um, I think it's Blue Song by Mitt Raya, which is a band I'm kind of a big fan of um, early 2000s band. He did a music video for them with uh, North Fielding um, underrated music video. I highly recommend it. Um, and it's just him doing that again. And then you see the bell bottoms, the shift in the music and the beat, the, the rubbery is there. He's, they're quickly going into the car and then bang it's you think he's going back forwards he's gone backwards and then bang you have this whole car chase with the police uh, the way that edgar wright just really like he really planned the action scenes and i think that makes him stand out from other directors i mean and this is like his definitive action movie it's an action movie with comedy in it he really focused on the choreography of the car chase and all the car chases in this movie um and it really just sets up the movie for the rest um it really sets up the rest of the movie in what you're going to expect from the, from the film. Um, And it's just really, really like, I I also had a great uh, experience watching this in the cinema um, and kind of knowing what I was getting into, but I watched it with a friend and he had no idea and just the experience of this, of the sequence is just really riveting and engaging. And yeah, there's just many great scenes in this movie. And I think this one is a great way to open the movie.
2: I think jake is the only person in the world who gets excited about seeing the Sony logo at the beginning of a movie <laughs> you see that pops it's up it's kind of true kind i of true. see that pop up and i'm like oh no venom um that's why it opens but uh a lot of venom. but uh no i i have my issues with these this these this movie and i've talked about it um i think it does get a little too over stylized at certain points um, but I do um I think this is kind of just the Goldilocks scene in the movie where they get it just right. Um, just the opening of him and then the addition, you know, the music and then the addition of the characters, but still the focus on him and what he's doing. But you're being introduced to those characters and what, what like what their dynamic is and what's happening and setting up a lot of stuff for later. Um yeah, I think it's a really good chase scene. Um I like how like they the way they use it. Kind of weird how it works out, you know, when you think about it. But when he goes under the bridge, they have different cars. Like, they're playing, like, the shell game with the cars. Um, Yeah, solid choice. Like I said, it would be in my list, but um, I'm not going to be grudging on yours because it's a lot of fun. Everybody else with the baby driver tree scene.
5: Um, Yeah, Edgar Wright, I like a lot of his movies. For some reason, they don't have a lot of staying power for me. Like, I don't come back to them a lot um and that does apply to, to baby driver i did like the movie when i saw it in theaters maybe rewatched it once since then i i mean i think it peaks like with the opening scene that maybe is one of the problems um uh, is that like this is the perfect example of what you know this movie can be and you just want the rest of the movie to like be like that and it doesn't quite um match up to the standards particularly towards the end towards the third act but um yeah, it's a it's a great scene, and, and another one of those like YouTube rewatchable. Just throw, just watch the scene, right? Um, you don't have to watch the whole movie, um, and the song, yeah, the the John Spencer uh-huh. song rips too.
0: It's the best scene in the movie, and that's where I think it like it it does its best, like at the very beginning, and that's why the movie never hits like as hard for me. Uh, but this scene is the scene to pick, like it's absolutely like when when kingsman or when especially holtzman talks about it, it's like oh the editing blah blah this is the scene like this is what everybody like it was cut to the music that's why it has that power but yeah this is a scene that stands alone, away from the film and is fantastic so yeah i knew probably somebody was going to include it i wasn't going to include it for that reason so but i'm glad you got to it's a good thing yeah
4: it's a it's a fantastic scene uh Arguably my favorite scene in the film. I go, uh, it, there, there's a couple that bounce around with it, but it's, uh, yeah, no, definitely uh, definitely worth being on your top 100. Yeah. It's great. Now, please don't have Hulk above this.
2: All right, uh, Scott, number.
5: <laughs> um, so I have a music based scene as well. This is um, the headphone splitter scene from Begin Again. Um, yeah, this uh, in rewatching the scene in like the last week, I wish I had had it higher. Honestly, this scene is like it, it, it exemplifies like what I love about like listening to music and the pure like euphoria it can, um, you know, inspire. Um, this is like just it starts off with the two main characters. Um, you know, Mark Ruffalo's character has the headphone splitter hanging from the ceiling in his car and they just decide to to try it out and they start off they are listening to luck be a lady by frank sinatra and walking around new york and i love new york and that's just like you know amazing feeling of just walking around listening to music there with all the lights and everything and um then they go into the club um and are listening to stevie wonder and everyone else of course is you know dancing to edm trap whatever's playing in there and they're listening to. Stevie Wonder for once in my life, um, and just like, you know, feeling themselves dancing along with everyone else. And then it ends up with um, them sort of sitting on a bench and listening to As Time Goes By uh, from Casablanca. And um, Mark Ruffalo has this great sort of little speech that he gives about how, you know, you can just be looking at the most mundane images, um, and they're just watching like random people walk past and, you know, in New York. But the listening to music and listening to certain songs at the same time can like make those mundane images look so much more profound and look like something totally different because like the music inspires that um and i just really relate to that sentiment certainly uh, as somebody who just like likes to walk around listening to music especially if i'm in somewhere like Um, you know New York or something like that also just the chemistry between um Mark Ruffalo and Keira Knightley is really great in this scene they obviously don't have a romance which I think is the right direction for the movie to go in but again it kind of speaks to like what music can do that in this moment like they have the real spark between them um but not necessarily because you know they love they're in love with each other they need to be together or anything but it's just like they're sharing in the you know passion of that moment and the, you know the emotions that the music is bringing to them so this scene is so good
2: um yeah i watched i you got me to watch this for the first time i, I just haven't gotten around to it but i watched it because it was on your list um but i loved it i talked about it online a couple weeks ago i really enjoyed this movie um i like all john Cardi's movies that i've seen um a lot and i think one of the great things he does is the way he uses music um and really focuses on what music does for people and how it affects people's lives. And like in one way he does in the movies the way, you know, the same thing with Sing Street, how you like getting the band together and the excitement of that and creating something. Um but also just like in this scene, like the passion and the love they have for music and just the idea of like how much you can know somebody through, you know, what they listen to and what they enjoy. That's kind of you know what this they're basically going through their playlist on this music and shared music with each other. Um yeah, and I I love the fact of the way their connection works. Like you said, it's not a romantic uh, uh, relationship. And I love movies that focus on like non like non romantic uh, friendships. And just other kind of connections, you know, they have something that's kind of beyond that. I think there's a lot between them uh, that they've experienced in their past uh, that they bring to it, and uh, they're kind of like both working through that together, and they're helping each other through that. And so, uh, yeah, I just love the way that works. And like you said, this scene specifically, where they get that that club, and you know, they're surrounded by all these people, but it's just the two of them experiencing that thing. Um, so, yeah, I think this is uh, I, there's there's better scenes in the movie, but I think this is the best scene. Uh, with the involving just the two of them and what they they have going on. Uh, Everybody else on uh, Begin Again. I'm
1: annoyed.
0: (laughs) I wish I would have put this on there. I saw this just recently, so I didn't and I haven't seen it enough to like, I couldn't pull scenes in my head like at that moment to like what, but as you were describing it, 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 I I love the scene when it happened. It's my favorite John Carney movie. So I just wish I would have included it, but I'm glad you did because I think it's a great scene.
3: Um, the way Scott was describing the scene, it makes me just want to rewatch the movie because I'm just like, wow, that sounds like right up my alley. And I, I haven't seen the movie in a few years, so I can't really like recall specific moments of, like
2: this scene specifically, but
3: damn, I really kind of want to watch the movie the way Scott's uh, selling it. <laughs> All
2: right. Uh, that takes us to Jack and Jack's number 82. All right. Uh, Fandom, big surprise. My number
4: 82 is Caesar Speaks in Rise of the Planet of the Apes. This is one of just the greatest uh, mic drop moments in a movie. Because the entire film, uh Caesar, he's this uh he's this hyper intelligent ape, uh, but uh he he's in this uh he's basically in this. Animal con- uh, control facility with a bunch of other chimps and gorillas and uh, just a bunch of other apes, but uh, he event he finally decides to uh, to fight back. And uh, when Tom Felton goes into the uh, goes into the enclosure with the like the the electric prod or whatever, uh, and he's zapping Caesar with and Caesar grabs his arm and and he says. Get your hand! Get your stupid paws off me, or sting paws off me, you damn dirty ape! And Caesar just goes no. The music cuts. Just complete silence. Tom Felton is left just speechless. Buck the gorilla in the cage is shocked uh, at this moment, and Caesar uh breaks all the apes out and just goes and wreaks havoc uh, on on. Uh, San Francisco as, as they try to escape. It's the perfect moment. It, it, this moment couldn't have been done better. It's my favorite moment in the new trilogy and one of my favorite moments in the entire series. Uh, just phenomenal moment. Cody, you had it earlier.
0: Yeah. Um, I, yeah. <laughs> so I love the scene because of how it I think, made me feel in the theater the first time I watched it. Um, I didn't have a lot of knowledge or care for the Planet of the Apes movies prior. Um, Didn't really watch them growing up, didn't know a lot about them. After watching it, I'll still stand by the trilogy. The new trilogy is the best on Planet of the Apes. No offense to everybody who loves the old ones, but not a shot uh the thing i think i love this is because i think what it does is i think it creates this character that you're with throughout the entire movie and he basically has no control in any of his life decisions like in the is and he's more intelligent than most humans walking around and he keeps getting pushed and pushed and tom felton sprays him with the huh like Sprays and punches him, snaps him with a cattle prod, and then at the one time when he finally like let's go. The only downside and the reason why I left it really low on my list, because I know how Kirk feels, uh, really low, because I don't believe Tom Felton is in deserving of that line um in Playing of the Ames movie. Um, but I just love the roar of the note because everybody realizes like how powerful Caesar is at that moment, and then basically sprays him with the water, kills him and And it's not even that they wreak havoc, they they go through the like that's the thing that leads to the charge of them like taking ownership for their own. Like they're they don't need to be controlled by man at this point, they need to be their own and they need to be released into the wild where they're supposed to be. And I think that's a brilliant part of this. And it's the humans that want to keep them ducked down. So I think that's what's brilliant about the scene. And again, that first scream of no. Yeah, not big for most. Some people could have seen it coming for, for a first time, and still to this day, when he yells it, I'm like, "Let's fucking go!" It's just, a, it's an awesome moment for me. So, yeah.
2: Okay. Yeah, Cody kind of alluded to it. Uh, it's a great moment, but the problem with it is you have like, this great, like, central moment to this movie uh, with him saying no, and it's immediately preceded by. Draco Malfoy given this like awful just stupid callback to the original movies just step it all over it like I'm not done cringing from that when the no gets chilled so it's like I just hate that there's like bang bang one right after each other um but that's what just really like throws like a bucket of cold water in this whole scene Well, that, that moment for me anyway um and I think like what Jackson I think what's cool is like not just with how the humans react but like even the apes like, they're like whoa this is like wrong and different and something's gonna change here I think when everything that comes after is better and I understand like you know if you really love these movies you love the characters like the character moment is important um, but I like to me this is just like the beginning of not just the, this movie but all the cool stuff that happens in the following movies um, everybody else uh, Scott and Jake
5: did not have this um I saw the movie when it came out don't really remember it haven't seen any other apes movies not really my thing but it sounds really cool the way y'all are describing it i will i will say that i'm sure if if you're into this sort of thing like it hits
0: quick kirk is it better to have it in the 90s or in the higher 80s
2: probably the 90s i guess but we'll find out um
3: i do like the scene um yeah i Tom Feldman is like trying to get the line out as quickly as he can. And I have to get exactly every syllable and every word right. Got to make sure that it's the, the exact same line as the original, the way missed the same line he says, uh, um, that's like the worst thing about the scene. But like, yeah, it, it it builds up to the moment. And I mean, this is probably my favorite of the Planet of the Earth movies. I just I kind of just enjoy this the rise more than Dawn and than Dawn and War uh, personally. Um, but yeah, it is a good moment. That's just like Tom Felton, and then he gets electrocuted. Like.
2: <laughs> All right, uh, Cody, 82.
0: Uh, so I went with – I'm not Kingsman, I promise. Uh, I went with Aaron, Sor- on the Aaron Sorkin movie. Um, I went uh, I with – no, I went with Molly's Game. I went uh going full tilt. Um so this is the scene where again crap I'm going to be terrible at this cuz I can't think of the but a regular at the poker game basically is playing um playing poker and um he's playing like he normally plays everything's going fine he's in the hand with this terrible poker player named Bad Brad at the at the poker table and he gets in the hand, like, and again, to the reason why I picked this scene. One, I love poker. Absolutely love poker. I love everything about poker. I think it's one of the most fascinating games to watch. When this scene happens, the reason why I think Sorkin does a really good job with Molly's game, he doesn't beat you over the head with poker analogy. And, like, he, he basically teaches you throughout it. Uh, Harlan. Yeah. Harlan. Thank you. Um, Harlan is playing and bad Brad, like he lays down his cards because he thinks the person across from has a better hand than it. And he goes, ah, huh. you had the King. Of- nope. Only King I had was the one in the middle. And he's like, Oh, you had a pair, just the pair that's in the middle and flips over the card and like everything in him from knowing poker breaks. He can't read anything, he can't do anything, and he's just making bad beats, bad calls the rest of the night, everything. And he keeps going to Molly and, like, taking lines of credit, and he's supposed to be home for his birthday. Like, the, I think it's a birthday party the next day. And he just keeps, like, going more and more in debt. Give me another $500,000, i will get it. Molly's trying to talk him out of it. It's a bad thing. All the other poker players from around the area are coming to play like for a couple hours with him before work because they he is just giving the house at this point. Everybody knows that he can't walk away. He's just trying to get even, and then the scene finally goes where he's in a showdown with somebody. He has the right cards. He's playing everything the right way, and he's got like a full house. And he said, and the, the Molly uh, Jessica Chastain's character pops up. The only thing that can beat him is a king full house, and the card hits. And he, like, he loses it. Like, he loses on the dealers. Like, you fucking piece of shit. You cheated me all night. Like, throwing shit at him, like, mad. And, like, they go to the terrace, and he's like, I don't have it. I, I don't have it. Like, borrowed all that money, has none of it to pay any of it. Like, none of that stuff is there. And you get that sinking feeling. And, like, the most, like, heartbreaking moment is she filed for divorce three days later from Harlem. Like, Harlan lost everything in the matter of 12 hours, basically. And I think it's, like, one of those players... Like, it's like a character study of one character you know nothing about in, like, a a five- to ten-minute scene. And I think it's brilliant what Sorkin does with his, like... Dialogue, what he's able to create, and everything about it. I've said this, like I'm on the record now. I think Molly's game is my favorite thing. Like, well, my favorite director work from Sorkin. I love Molly's game too. Like, oh, degree I degree mean, <laughs> come on, yeah. What? <laughs> this is not direct competition with
3: Molly's game as far as directing Okay, how- Sorkin?
0: Well, didn't he do Trials for Congress Seven? That movie sucks. Well, don't tell that. Okay. I okay, I put this over I would
3: I will kill people today, Leo.
0: I will kill people with this cricket bat. I will put this over the social network now for me. As watchable movie. Rewatchable movie. That's where I'm at in this thing. So that's fair. Fine. I again I'm not a movie trivia. I couldn't tell you what he directed what he doesn't. His involvement. There's only one movie that he's written that I would put on. but that's
2: where I'm at. See. Um yeah, this is uh I'm not a big poker guy, so that aspect of it doesn't, like, enthrall me. Um, but I think it's a great scene to bring up for this show. Because, like you said, it's it, – this this guy's story could be a whole movie. And they give it to you in one scene. It starts out so heartbreaking because it starts out, like she said, about, yeah, he was so excited about his wife. You know, he was talking about, you know, all the stuff he's doing for his wife, but he wasn't bragging. He was just honestly excited to be having this party and doing this for his wife. And then it ends with him his wife leaving him and divorcing him and it like you said just happens over and she walks you through it just like it's so like it makes you it makes me never want to play poker because like you just see like even no matter how good you are how like just you're standing on the precipice that you can just collapse off of because of any idiot does anything wrong or you know you do anything wrong and it will destroy your life um so it's kind of like a cautionary tale as well uh, but it's all just one scene like i said it's a it's a it's like a like a three-act movie in one scene and it's done so well um so yeah like i said i don't love the movie um i seen it i didn't necessarily remember the scene but going back and watching just the scene and uh, then you know appreciate for what it is perfect uh perfect scene to bring up on this show uh everybody else on this scene from all these games
3: I haven't seen the movie since, uh, in, in two years ago when I had to play Scott and Ethan and they used, uh, written by Aaron Salkin. So my memory's all fuzzy on this scene and the movie. Um, I like the movie. I'm a casual poker player. Like I like poker. Um, I'm not as big as my, my brother. Um, he's a, he's a massive poker
1: fan.
2: um,
3: I do say um Michael did call we were talking about this. Uh, there's a chat with uh, Michael Cole and I um yesterday he was like Cody's just talking about Molly's game, but he's gonna have that one scene from the movie this in his top one hundred <laughs> and he called it. So I just want to sure. shout out Michael for that. Um yeah, I've not seen it. I can't really exactly remember the scene, it's been a while. Um I didn't want to rewatch it just out of curiosity. Like I don't think this movie's bad or like you know, I think it's pretty good. Um I imagine I might like it more in a second uh watch. Uh, so yeah.
4: Yeah, this film is fantastic. I've only seen it the one time, but uh, this scene I, I remember fairly well. Like, this is the scene that I think of when I think of Molly's Game. It's, it's great. Good pick.
1: Yeah,
5: really good movie. Um, you know, so much of Sorkin's stuff is like people in rooms like super being really smart and like super smart people in rooms just doing stuff and this scene introduces an agent of chaos being you know bad Brad being Brian Darcy James um, and so it's fun to watch Sorkin kind of subvert his whole thing by letting you know the bad poker player, the dumb quote unquote dumb guy like get the win so um, it's it's a great scene and Bill Camp is just like one of the goat character actors so um, I love him.
2: All right, uh, Jake, hit us with your number 82.
3: Uh, this is a weird one,
2: but this is just probably the most like, just yes. why is this even
3: on my top 100? Like, honestly, this may be like the most why, what? Um, in the early two, in the mid 2000s, they you know, there was a genre, a subgenre of movies, uh, that were pretty terrible, pretty bad comedies, uh, the, the parody movies. Um, you know your your epic movie, your date movie, your disaster movie, but there's one that I have a, whole, a special place in my heart because it parodies the Rangy Spider-Man films. There's a scene from superhero movie that I absolutely love for, for almost no reason other than this is a joke. It's the Here's stupidest Michael. thing, and I absolutely love it. It's the scene where they're interviewing Tom Cruise. And it's a Tom Cruise impersonator, and he's parodying the Scientology interview that he did, where he's wearing the black uh, jumper, and he's in the dark, but he's in like the weird like room, and it's like really like underlit, and he's just talking about these weird philosophical sort of like Scientology shit. This is just him talking about this. It's it sort of parodies the superhero montage from Spider Man, where they're asking like a bunch of people about the dragonfly, and they interview Tom Cruise on YouTube, and he's just talking about this like guy can't even fly. And he's like just complete like replicating Tom Cruise's sort of mannerisms and cadences. The way he just like breaks into laughter and he just goes (laughs) and the way he does that, I just fucking lose my shit. And then he
4: goes, the guy can't even
3: fly. I can fly. I can fly. And the way he just like captures Tom Cruise's like, just essence. He doesn't look exactly, he doesn't look 100% like Tom Cruise. He just captures the energy. And I just lose my shit every time I watch the scene. There's an extended like two minute scene on YouTube that I will rewatch like all the time. Uh, absolutely funny, um, pretty funny. And then it ends with him with a news report saying, breaking news, Tom Cruise is dead. <laughs> he tried to fly. <laughs> Funny. it's so stupid but I just I have a kick out of this scene um, the extended scene on YouTube is even better to be honest
1: it's time
0: to stop
2: <laughs> oh my god Jake um, I don't, obviously I've never seen the movie because I respect myself um, but I watched the scene on YouTube and I, I, I can't believe like This has there's a lot of reasons that a lot of your scenes shouldn't be on your on your list, but this is this is basically like a Saturday Night Live skit, and not a good set. It's like a featured player on Saturday Night Live. They found out could do a Tom Cruise impression, so they let him do like a skit at like you know twelve fifty two. Um, it almost gets cut for time, but just makes it under, um, it's just a guy impersonating Tom Cruise. It's It's not even a scene. Like, how is this on your top? Like, this is top 100 movie scenes of all time. Like, how did this make your list? This is ridiculous. Ridiculous, Jake. Everybody else. Has anybody else seen this? No. Tell you you seen this. I, I
0: know there were, <laughs> these movies came out and they went. I did not. I not like scary movies, so there's not a chance that I would ever go see a superhero movie, especially two thousand eight. We had the Dark Night Iron Man, and this great
5: cinema. Keep doing you, Jake.
4: You know what, Jake? Yeah. I'm happy for you. I'm gonna watch the scene <laughs> afterwards.
0: But I'm happy for you. That's gotta be points down. That's gotta That's be
2: every everybody's happy because they know that I'll come at last. Um <laughs> okay, uh Scott, give us your eighty two. Uh
5: my eighty two, let's bring things back to normal. Uh it's the ending scene from Jackie Brown.
1: Mm.
5: Um yeah, amazing movie, obviously. And you know, as much as I love Tarantino, like i feel like this is really the only one of his movies that like takes place in the real world um also maybe because it's you know adapted from a novel by elmore leonard as well it's i think the only adaptation that tarantino's done but um anyway uh so the characters feel very real and in particular max cherry the robert forster character which is like one of my favorite performances and characters um like in any movie um is a great example, but also Jackie. Um, and, you know, this last scene is where they connect again a few days after the events of the movie um, at Robert Forster's office. And they have like this sort of bittersweet final conversation and um, she asks him to come to Spain with uh, with her. And he, you know, basically says that he can't, like is kind of blowing her off. Like I got, you know, I gotta be here and, you know, do my job, do, do my work. Um, And then they, you know, they kiss and she leaves. And really like the moment of the scene is her like driving away and him, him on the phone with like a new client. And he's like, can I, you know, call you back in about 20 minutes? Not because he has anything else that's going on, but just because like he just needs to be like in his feelings basically for a while. Uh, And like just the look on his face with like the smeared lipstick on him as watching her drive away and him like kind of, of him wondering if he did the right thing but the other part of him knowing he did the right thing but also that it like feels terrible uh because he just wants to leave with her and then of course the final you know moment of of jackie driving away and you know kind of sadly singing along to the across 110th street the song that opens the movie um it's such a perfect perfect way to end the movie and you know uh, real like moments of humanity again that you don't really expect necessarily from a tarantino movie and i don't mean that as a criticism obviously but um it is a nice sort of counterpoint to a lot of um you know the scenes that we'll probably talk about with tarantino and um what you normally expect from him and i just love the performances and characters so much in this scene and in this movie
2: yeah it's been a while since i've seen this so i don't remember all the details of the scene um but i do really like the relationship between the two of them uh I feel like is this I can't think of any other off my head. This is like oh, like the real like, only like real like romance that Tarantino's ever done. Like I don't think he's ever been like a um just like this kind of relationship. I mean there's been a, like relationships, but usually they're kind of like Rick, up. Rick Rick
5: Rick uh, Dalton and Cliff
2: Booth. You don't think that's a romance? <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, I I just like and
5: I, I like movies. Where Django and his wife, sorry, go on.
2: Yeah, the, you're right. You're right. But I mean, that wasn't necessarily like those weren't like the two mm-hmm. focal. Points. I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Um, more traditional relationship like this, I guess I should say traditional is Um, But I really like the way he handles it. I just like movies where characters like are they're not meant to be together. Like they're they're together for a certain re- for a reason, a certain amount of time, and like once that's over, it's done. And it's like hard to accept that, um, but you have to because like it's, you're not built to be together. like... You kind of want to be, um, and I think they hit it really well. And I think it's just nice to see like these kind of characters, like they're not like twenty years old, and like you know they they they've lived, and they've had experience, and like they mm-hmm. they know what they're what they're doing. Um, so no, it's it's a solid. Thing. Like I said, I got to go back and watch it to really go with details. Uh, everybody else on the end This
0: is one that I need to revisit. Um, I know it went up really high on my last rewatch because I was very down on it the first time. I watched it because um, I was like, I think I watched it under the thing. I was like, oh, Tarantino, I like his work, and then I watched this, and it's not like in the same like <laughs> the way the other movies are. Um, but I really enjoyed it. I I don't want to just go back and watch the um, the final scene. I'll have to watch the whole movie. But um, yeah, I think it's I think it's an excellent choice. I think it's I think people need to give this movie more uh, credit than. When they give the rest of his movies a ton of credit, this is definitely one that deserves the credit.
3: Uh, yeah, I haven't. I need. I like Cody. I need to revisit this movie. This is this and the Hateful a are the only two that I've um, Tarantino movies I've seen once, um, and which is kind of weird. I've, I'm a big Tarantino fan. I love his movies. It's one of the first filmmakers I kind of like started to really like love. Um, I gotta rewatch Jackie Brown. Just to be clear, um, I do like the scene. I do like how it ends. I like how she's in the car. And she's like just singing, or she's lip singing the across 110th Street, um, which is a great scene. I like how the movie bookends uh, with that with that song. Um, it's just yeah, it's one I gotta rewatch.
4: Yeah, definitely, uh, definitely a great scene to include on your list. I haven't seen the film in a, a couple of years, but uh, it's one I definitely need to rewatch. But uh, this is top tier Tarantino for me. I love this film.
2: All right. Uh, that takes us to our final movies of the night. Jack, number 81. All right. Uh, it's
4: my favorite scene from one of my favorite horror films of all time, it's Glenn's death from the first Nightmare on Elm Street film. Uh, I love this film, but this is... This is Uh, the moment from this film that I think of when I think of this movie. It's brutal. It's over the top. Uh, Johnny Depp uh, has by far the most memorable death in the entire franchise. Uh, He gets pulled into his bed and uh, an ungodly amount of blood just sprays out of his uh, mattress and covers his entire room. And it's over the top. It's gratuitous and it's fantastic. It's the, it, it's entirely in line with everything else going on in this film, but it—it's uh, just—it's one of the greatest death scenes ever put to film. Uh, what the fuck does that mean? It, it, its just, yeah, no, I love the. Uh, it, if you, especially if you look at uh, how this, uh, how they filmed it, uh, uh, and constructed the set to uh, send all the fake blood out of uh, out of the bed. It's great, uh, and just the entire film. Uh, this the scene in particular is just master masterclass. uh horror filmmaking for me, I love
2: it. Um, yeah, it's a fun horror movie. Death. Um, I don't like when you set up like, oh yeah, I remember this scene, um, but it's not something that uh, I don't know. Um, if you're super into horror movies, which I don't, I, I don't, think, I think you're probably just watching some Phantom or anything, right, Jack?
4: Yeah, but I'm. Uh, I, I did initially watch this for fandom, but I've rewatched it the most of any other horror icons films, and it's just, it's become one you. of my favorite
2: horror films. Yeah, I, just, I, just, I don't know. I just feel like, I don't know. Like, it's not, it's, it doesn't feel top 100 words for me. It's a, it's a it's cool. It's a cool effect. Um, but it, it's so fast. So that's thing. I, I, I didn't, I went back and rewatched it. and was how fast it happened. Like, it's not, there's not a whole lot to it. Um, everybody else on Glenn getting blood splattered. In
5: Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, yeah, once last time. <laughs> it's I think. I
0: mean, I think. <laughs> I think Friday the Thirteenth sucks. Oh, not Friday the Thirteenth. The Nightmare on Elm yeah. <laughs> Street. Both suck. Fair, fair. I'll say both suck. That's right. When I'm on this,
1: like,
0: I've never liked Freddy Krueger. I think Freddy Krueger sucks. Like overall, as like I think he's like. The, the way he talks and like that stuff's cool but overall i just think it's like this one is just classic like nightmare on elm street is just like over the top like over like blood pouring everywhere to be just for that effect and i think i think that's what they were going for to like stand that time but overall i don't think the death that impressive and i i think there's other deaths throughout nightmare that would be considered i guess Cooler than this, I think this is most iconic. Is it cooler than the rest? No, for me, so yeah. And stuck in the middle you with you, gosh, if we're gonna put that at that low, and this is high, oh, well, do you even know how to construct the list, man? It doesn't matter. I'm trying to win here. Shut right up. Uh,
5: okay. Um, you- yeah, I was just gonna say it's a really good scene. Um, I like the movie. Um, You know, I enjoy the more sort of over the top operatic type violence and stuff like that. So that's actually a plus for me, honestly, in in the scene. Uh, I I think, you know, problems with the movie notwithstanding or the franchise in a vacuum, this scene is really memorable and, um, and everything. So I, you know, commend the pick.
3: As far as, like, the three big horror franchises of the 80s, I'm Team Freddy, like, all the way. I've always loved Freddy as a character and his movies. Some of them are pretty bad, but uh, some of the sequences, I think, are really inventive and fun. And I think this death is, uh, is really good. Um, and it's just, like, it's it really is sort of just, like, what is scary. Like, Freddy can get you at home. He can get you anywhere. He can get you where, you're, you're, where you are think you're the most safe in your dreams. And the way it plays out in that sequence where you just... The bed goes down and then just the, the, the blood comes out is is really well done I, it's one of the best death scenes in horror history if i'm being completely honest um and it, it, he's killing johnny depp so that's just doubly uh, even more effective scene if i'm being honest
2: wow All right um cody uh what is your number 81.
0: no shame whatsoever on this one okay 1993. Robin Williams, Mrs. Doubtfire, the two dates,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, the sequ the the situational comedy that he is able to create in this. I told Kirk, I sent it to Kirk today. I was like, "It's sixteen minutes." <laughs> Looking back on it, it's a long, up and scene, but it is brilliant what he's able to create in this. He's got a meeting with the executive of the channel trying to get a TV show booked. He's also on the date with his family, dressed up as Doubtfire, and he's back and forth having to run through the bar. And not not to mention the, the executive, uh, the, uh, the runner of the studio, is double scotch chugging like, to catch up with him throughout the night. So he's getting plastered as the night's going on. He's going to the wrong bathroom. He's like leaving stuff undone. He's coming back to the table smelling awful and, like, and also, like, fucking with uh, Pierce Brosnan's character, like, as it goes on. Uh, Like, she'll step away from the table and he'll be like, oh, I've seen what she's packing in the bedroom. You better be be ready to compete. And And, like, just the different things and, like, sits there and, like. It all ends basically when he switches. He sits, he goes back to the dress completely as Doubtfire and like laughing with him. And she's alert Hitler, like, blah, blah, blah. He's like, what? And like, full gear is like, oh, and then. He sells it as like I'll be the host of the show as this character but then he messes with Pierce Brosnan's dish and starts choking and help is on the way dear and he runs across the like runs across the thing to give him the Heimlich maneuver which reveals that it's really him as Doubtfire. Um I think it's brilliant. I think it's one of his best acting performances as like a comedian like having to play both roles like in the same like moment and the chaos of the scene and like how everybody reacts to it. I think how Sally feels like, like screams at the end, which finally sees who it is. I think it's, I think it's brilliant. Uh,
2: I didn't have a chance to go back and rewatch the scene. Um, I know I've seen it, um, but yeah, I mean, I, and I, I think you'd have talked about this because I'm not the huge, the biggest uh, Robin Williams fan. But he is, um, I think this is like the best use of his, his talents and just his comedy. Um, so, yeah, uh, like I said, I, I, did, I want to rewatch this before we finish up so I could score you on it properly. But I don't um, have a full member on it right now. Everybody else on uh, the 2 date season is Deathfire. I really,
3: ha- I mean, this is a pet peeve of mine, I and mean, this is nothing against this this scene specifically because I think it's done really well. But I hate when it's like, "Oh my god, I've got these two important events on the same day. What am I gonna do?" Ho ho ho! Um, I specifically think of the Hannah Montana movie doing that as well. Um, but basically, stripping off this movie. Um, but this scene is done really well. I would say this is the best example of that sort of cliche of the "Oh my
0: god, I got two things on the same day." Just saying. Just saying. Actually, giving- it's not. Technically, it's not the same day. He gets in, he's already planned the meeting and has to get invited to this thing that she does not want to go to at all. It's one of the things it's like the exact same, it's the
3: same, it's two events happening at the same time. That's what I'm saying. Anyway, um, I do really like the scene. Um, and I think Robin Williams just like knocks it out of the park during the sequence. Um, I really love when he's just like constantly changing and, um, and I think he scares himself in the mirror when he realizes he's still got the face on that. I yeah. mean, pretty good, but I do love the revelation when he goes to the um. To the executive, and then he saw him in his Doubtfire outfit. He's like that realization on his face of, like, oh my god, I'm just fucked. but then he plays it off really well. Um, it's a yeah, it's a fun scene, it's really good.
4: Yeah, this scene is uh, it's it's fantastic. It's, it's the scene from Mrs. Doubtfire to include. Uh, there, all in all, yeah, no, uh, I have to rewatch this movie. I, I, I want to put uh, a scene from from it on on my list but i just haven't seen this movie in like six years it's been way too long uh and i couldn't think of any anything off the top my head so i just didn't uh put anything on but it's a it's a great pick so good job
5: i'm sorry but i've never seen it
1: yeah
2: wow all right uh jake romerson what's your 81 all right, so we're going back. We
3: continue with the comedy. Oh, we just revealed it! Oh my god, this whole fucking setup and everything. I just bring it up—it's the Pooh cocktail supreme ending from Jackass 3D. Um, an absolute great ending to Jackass 3D. Stevo is in the 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 um, the, 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 the what's, what's it called? I can't remember the cubicle. The uh, yes, it's about to be slingshot. It's filled for the party. With- the port party thank you. It's filled with shit. It's going to slingshot up. Uh, Steve-O hates heights. Uh, he's cool putting a hook through his cheek and going out into the ocean, but he does not like uh, heights, does not like bungee diving. So he's the perfect person to be doing this sequence. Uh, it goes up, and he is covered in shit. I believe it's dog shit, but it's still shit, and it's all liquid, and it's fucking disgusting, but it is absolutely hilarious. It's a great way to end Jack s 3D. Um <laughs> It's the, it's, it's the best sequence. It's the best uh, scene from the movie. And then he starts throwing up, and it's vomit and shit, and it's just perfect. You see Jeff Tremaine just laughing, and he's, like, out of breath. He's, like, <laughs> he's just throwing up while he's covered in shit. Uh, it's just – it is great. It's comedy at its finest. Um, it is a representation of uh, male stupidity, uh, a true American icon, Steve-O is, and it's just uh, – it's brilliant, and it makes me makes me feel proud to be human and we, the stupid shit that <laughs> humanity can do, and we're going to celebrate it on screen by seeing Steve-O get covered in uh, shit.
2: <sighs> um, Jake, I'm putting in an in order for a full psych exam <laughs> um, between this and the happiness scene, and just your glee in describing both of them. Um, I do not have any sort of glee in, 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 uh, in explaining no, no, that happiness
3: scene. Oh little my god, bit,
2: no. little bit, of, little bit of glee. Um, something's wrong, and I'm saying, no, this, no. I'm saying this. I'm saying this. I'm saying this is your friend. I'm not saying this to be like <laughs> mean or like insult you or just do like normal. Like your list sucks, jabs. This is, there, there's a problem here that we need to fix. Um, yeah, this is. I, I haven't seen the movie, and I saw the description. I was not going to watch this scene. Um, because why why do I know? Um, this is awful, awful, Jake. Um, yeah, I'm speechless at this point. Everybody, anybody else see this or have any desire to say anything about it?
0: I love the jackass films, I'm the right age for the jackass films, they came out the right time. Um, I love one, two, and three. Um, I would have never. Put this on any of my list. Of all the sequences, too, I'm a little surprised that this is the one. Oh, because I oh, think you there's think some...
3: This
0: is it. <laughs> just wait <for> <laughs> I can't wait. That all I will say is the way that he said the demon's covered in shit, and then he pukes and there's vomit and shit. I just love how he tried to like. suck <laughs> So why with um and watching kirk die i would love to just hop on call and like share the scene with kirk and let him actually visit because i think this scene is uh special but yeah way to go jake i'm gonna tell you, you, you know how to make a list is that
3: right.
0: i thought rubber was the heights i
4: um i stepped away for a minute while you were describing what was happening because i felt like i was gonna vomit so thanks for that <laughs> that's good <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I
1: didn't
4: i didn't vomit so thank god but uh i haven't seen any jackass films and it certainly didn't move up just now
5: <laughs> i can't think of anything less targeted towards me probably than the jackass films <laughs> if we're being quite honest and i think jake has just very artfully summed up why that is and why i will probably never watch one um so yeah thank you jake <laughs> And Jake,
2: this is—I think this is unprecedented in Wallace Top 100 history. But I'm going to make an exec- I'm going to make an executive decision here. Um, moving forward, there are just some movies. I just are some scenes. I just don't think I'm going to let you talk about because. <laughs> oh, what's oh, what's, what's going what's, what's wow. to happen here is people are going to bring up like some of the all-time great moments in the history of cinema. And I just can't abide okay. to you. I just can't abide to your to you fucking being like horses oh, that's I, that's that's not as good as the uh you know Steve O covered dog trap. So I don't know. We'll see how things go moving forward, but it, it's gonna be rough. This is this is pretty bad. This okay. Uh Why are you the way that you
5: are? Kirk instituting a gag order.
0: Yeah. I'm no, sure. you're allowed to talk about your shit kind hey, you just hey. lose. Hey.
3: Hey. I will say in my defense that's the only scene I have where it's
0: feces. You picked the group. Oh, oh, you good. saw okay. the list.
2: That's to be fair. You, you saw
0: you saw the list.
2: Seed where a human being is covered feces. <laughs> Good. I'm glad. You, you
0: know, saw the list thing. and you decided on the panel. This is what you get.
2: would be comedy
3: uh... gold. You knew I'd be perfect for this panel.
2: Come on. <laughs> um where I I okay scott scott's 81 finish this for 80, finish this off awesome. I, I uh,
5: yeah nobody's gonna really know what this scene is but um it's the deposing dupont scene from dark waters uh <laughs> i think bowman left which i don't blame him honestly but um yeah so this is uh this is a movie i've talked about several times but um I think it's a super underrated film that more people need to know about. More people need to watch. This scene, um, it, you know, perfectly encapsulates the movie. is really about um, the way that you know these rich corporations just sort of like suck the life out of the real people who are uh, who their actions are harming without even really any thought to it. And uh, Mark Ruffalo is deposing one of the you know big wigs from Dupont and. Um, you know first points out to him that in in this one sort of study that was performed about the, you know the toxic chemicals they referred to the human beings who were affected as receptors um, not as human beings but as receptors and you know sort of goes on this line of questioning really um calling him out and then he just is like and there's one more thing and he like slides across a photo of this guy bucky who's like a kind of a recurring character in the movie but has like severe like facial deformities and like body deformities and everything because um he was his parents were exposed to the um the chemicals and then you know he was born um and he just like slides the photo to the guy is like this is your receptor like his name is bucky and it's just such a great like mic drop powerful moment and the the you know guy the big wig guy is like clearly affected by it and clearly like um coming to terms with his actions um, for the first time, really. And it's also fascinating because Mark Ruffalo's character, Rob Ballot, like he represents corporations and he only gets involved with this case because of where he's from. Um, But obviously it really changes him. So um, it's a, yeah, it's a powerful scene. It's a powerful movie and a really important story, um, but also one that's, um, you know, I think enjoyable to watch and, and, you know, engaging. So please check it out.
2: Something about realizing about you, Scott. It's funny because like your two favorite types of movies are one, movies with absolutely no plot, and two, movies that only exist to give you real life information. It's just a weird combination of movies to love, and that's fine. Um, I haven't had a chance to watch this one yet. Uh, I'm sure it's a, a very interesting, important movie that kind of won't move the needle for me, um, but I'll check it out because you know I should. Um. Everybody else on this. Everybody else seen Dark Waters. I have not seen Dark Waters, unfortunately.
0: I feel like I'm being chased by Dark Waters and Scott. It comes up all the time when we and Scott are <laughs> around each other what? at yeah. this point. I may need to rewatch Dark Waters because maybe I'm missing something massive in this movie. Because Scott seems to love it, and we like a lot of like procedurals like stuff together. Mm-hmm. So maybe I was missing something the first time I watched it. Who knows? Barr also likes this movie a lot, too, which is weird.
5: Yeah, it's kind of random. but
0: Yeah. Uh,
4: This, uh, I was so excited to watch this movie when it first uh, came out, because the trailer was everywhere for for me around the time it was coming out. And uh, I was very excited, and then I never saw it. And I'm really (laughs) frustrated with myself. And I want to see it. it This happens every year. There's... There's always one movie where I'm like, I am going to see this, and then I never see it.
2: It's frustrating. All right, well that, that is it for the night. That closes us out. Uh, Got to give out uh, winners and losers here. Um, oh, oh, I wonder who gets lost. Oh. I, th- I, th- um, I think Cody's a clear-cut winner this week. Um, Jaws. Uh, he had Jaws. He had Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Uh, Good, bad, and the ugly, the nightcrawler scene, um, just a lot of solid stuff in here. That Molly's game scene was really, really tight too. So um, number two, uh, again, it's close. Uh, slight edge to Jack again. Uh, a little bit of sunshine, Lay Miz, uh, will be blood. Oxbow incident was really good first time watch for me. Um, so again, Scott third place, close. Um, you and Jack were like two A, two B here. Um, you had Lady Bird, which was really strong, but some of the stuff, nothing again, nothing terrible on these lists. Just nothing really getting me super excited. Um, and last place goes without saying, uh, Jake. You had someone covered in. You had a, you had superhero movie in on your list. Funny so scene. you well, one single,
3: last thirty seconds.
2: It, but it doesn't. It's it's on your list. And scenes, not movies. What that mean? You, you had a scene from superhero movie on your list. So you had a literal pile of crap in your on your list, and it wasn't the <laughs> biggest pile of crap on your list. This is a problem, Jack or Jake. We need to do something. Heads. We we need to do something. Well, that's that's something we're going to discuss later. But you're the focal point right now. You're you're I'm the, more like the fake point if you know what I mean. <laughs> uh, hey, uh, I just want to be done with this forever. Um, we'll I'm going to be hanging
1: from the bathroom. <laughs>
2: that's pretty good. Um, <laughs> Next week we'll be back with uh, where are we at eighty through seventy one. Um, yeah, uh, join us because it's probably going to be worse. I hate everything. See you next week. <laughs> intimidate
0: me i'm entitled to my opinion
1: drunk Get angry come on break the lousy cup ow i hurt my arm and i'd expect everybody
3: i'm going there soon you know is that so
1: where are you going uruguay well you go uruguay and i'll go mine